Hello, everyone. This is Q of the MJ Cast, and you have tuned in to episode 112 of your Michael Jackson, Jackson Family podcast. Today, Jamin and I are joined by some of our best MJ mates, and we are going to be having just a good old MJ chat. We're going to be talking about our fandom and how we've coped this year and how we're going now and how Michael's inspired and changed our lives. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. The following is a presentation from the MJ cast. The internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Episode 112, Jamin, welcome. Here we are, episode 112, second last talking episode of the year. That's exactly right. We're nearly done with season six Christmas special to go, but I'm excited for this episode in particular. Yeah, this is going to be good fun. It was not our uh, plan A. We're very grateful for our guests today because this was uh, rustled up in about a week's worth of planning. You know what? Maybe this is even multiple recording sessions getting (laughs) spliced together in an amazing episode that you'll never be able to tell, even if I sound completely sick in half the episode and not any other, but you'll never know. (laughs) Yeah, here we are again because this is the second time we've recorded the episode due to technical error, but you'll never be able to tell, like you said. Exciting, definitely, that we get to be here. Some of our best episodes, I think, on the MJ cast are ones that were Plan Bs. Uh, I remember back in the day we interviewed Sean Fitzgerald yes. at the, the drop of a hat, and then that one worked out really well. So, And for quite a while, we've been receiving feedback from our, our listeners saying, you guys should get some more uh, MJ fans on the show that you know, and, and that's exactly what we've done today. The whole idea for this episode, Q, I think, is that we, we, we wanted to bring a couple of of our best MJ mates each onto the show to just chat about Mike. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Absolutely. And how about you introduce your two contestants that you've brought along to the (laughs) stage today? I would love to. Well, I'm going to kick off with uh, one of my closest MJ mates that I have known for a very long time. First of all, I would I would like to introduce Marnie, the wonderful Marnie. Marnie, I have known for a, a, a boy, how long? So definitely since I was a teenager, probably since I was about, I would say, 17 or something like that, uh, or just a little bit older. I've known Marnie a really long time, and Marnie lives near me. She's on the Gold Coast in southeast Queensland and has been a Michael Jackson mega fan for oh, just decades now. And uh, I'll just drop you guys a little hint. She's actually also... Australia's number one MJ fan officially, which we'll get to talking about a little later. So, Marnie, welcome. Thank you for Skyping in from Studio Gold Coast. How are you? Yeah, great. Thank you for having me again. I always love recording with you guys. It's always so much fun. So, 
yeah, love that I get to do it again. Super, super excited. Uh, I would like to introduce the second person that, that I've brought along uh, on on uh, Team Jamin, <laughs> should I say? But uh, no, we got <laughs> the voice here. No, no. Um, <laughs> so the second friend that I've brought on today, a second MJ mate, is Dane Thompson, without a P, just like Charlie. But Dane, Dane is a mate that that uh, I've known for a while now, uh, not as long as Marnie, but. Dane is somebody that I've, I've grown close to as an MJ mate, particularly this year following Leaving Neverland, which I think is interesting because you hear some people in the community say that, yeah, of course, ne- Leaving Neverland is terrible, but it's had that positive impact of bringing fans together. And that's certainly been the case with, with Dane and I. So very excited for Dane to Skype in from my home city of Brisbane. So welcome, Dane, from Studio Brisbane. Really excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for inviting me on. This is awesome. You got it. Now, this is your first time on the MJ cast, and Marnie, I think you've, you've come on a couple of times before, but whether you're a returning guest or new, we always welcome you to the MJ cast. Can't wait to get into it. Q, who are your people that you've asked to come along on Team Q? <laughs> That's so funny. I love it. Uh, so today, Team Q, we've got Dr. Raj Zaman, who is not only a mega fan of Mike, but a surgeon, and he will be sharing his story later on how he was inspired to become a surgeon, but in my hometown here, I guess it's a hometown, I've lived here for a long time, my town here of Perth, Dr. Raj, welcome to the MJ cast for your first time. Thank you very much, Q. It's great to be here. Our first time uh, on the show, but definitely a long-time listener from uh, all the way back at those several seasons ago. Um, yeah, it's very good to be here. I, I, I love this show. It's the only podcast I listen to. I tune in every fortnight, uh, as it was. And uh, yeah, very surreal to be on the same podcast that I've been listening to the same guys that uh, I've been doing so for the last few years. So very honored. Uh, Jamin and Q, thanks for having me. That's right, and that's uh, that's my first long-time listener, first-time caller, but I have brought two, and calling from the Canary Islands, but originally from the beautiful Copenhagen in Denmark, we have got Big Brother winner, we've got TV cooking show extraordinaire contestant, we've got podcaster Bjorn Hannibal, Bjorn Welcome, sir, to the MJ cast. I cannot believe you brought that up. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. I'm about to pee myself. Please don't because clean up in aisle three, the cleaners on lunch break. Don't even do it. (laughs) This is awesome. Thank you all so much for joining us again. But here we are and uh, we're going to have a good old little, like Janet would say, a conversation in a cafe and we're going to be talking some MJ stuff and just relating. Like you mentioned, Jamin, this year it's been rough, but Michael has brought people together this year. It's done a lot for the community this year. But overall, something that Michael did just as well as his music, his videos, his concerts, everything that he did, he brought people together. And he continues to do it today. And that's one of the most exciting and inspirational things that Michael's ever done. We love being able to share that with you, our listeners. 
for our main discussion topics today, we're going to be hearing some fan stories. You would have heard Jamin and mine over the years, countless times, <laughs> probably me repeating myself over and over again because I forget what stories I've already told and then you get to hear them again. So we're going to hear some fan stories from these people that are with us today, from Marnie, Dane and Dr. Raj and Bjorn. And then we're going to ask and uh, talk about just how we've all coped this year as MJ fans and how people are doing now. And then later we're going to hear about how Michael's inspired and impacted and changed lives. And then we're going to hear how Michael should be remembered and included. Today we've got some musical breaks. I know two of them. Two of them are actually by someone that is on the show today, Dane Thompson, He's got two great acoustic tracks and uh, hopefully I'll have decided on the third track sometime soon and uh, you can check the show notes for all of the details and YouTube links to see those. So, Jamin, did you want to uh, introduce some fan stories? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I love as a Michael Jackson fan is hearing the journey of other Michael Jackson fans because over the years, Q, you and I have discovered that that fans have some incredible stories. You know, the, like the the things they've you know got up to and accomplished, and 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 maybe it's not you know getting the chance to see Michael live or meeting him or anything like that, but just what they've done with their talents to rep Michael in their world. And uh, I love learning those stories, and we're going to hear some of them tonight. So we might kick things off, I think, in the main discussion topic now with fan stories, and I would love to hear from my friend Marnie. Marnie, uh, welcome back to the MJ cast, of course, but could you walk our listeners through your story as a Michael Jackson fan? Where does it all start? Of course. Uh, Well, firstly, thank you for having me again, and love talking about Michael, love that we get to have a good old MJ geek out session. We're all so busy and it's awesome revisiting those stories. And I guess for me, Michael Jackson was always in my life. Uh, I like to think that mum was playing off the wall while I was in the womb and um, she had records around the house. So we had a, a good old fashioned record player and my early memories are of her records of Off the Wall and Thriller. But I wasn't really, you know, I guess I was really young then, so I don't know. I I wasn't a hardcore fan just yet. And I remember watching Rage in Australia. A lot of people my age will remember watching Rage as a kid. Um, I would uh, I would do that Rage scream, but it would scare all the listeners off and it's still too early <laughs> in the episode for that. But, yeah, but the, the Aussies know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, we do. My younger brother and I really lived for, you know, every Saturday, Sunday morning watching Rage and what the new video clips were. My earliest kind of fan memory was seeing the Way You Make Me Feel video and I think it must have been number two or, you know, very high up in the charts, maybe even number one in Australia. You know, seeing this video clip with so much joy and the dancing and he's chasing the girl and it's really exciting and just the whole style of him, he was just amazing. And I just fell in love instantly, I guess. And uh, from there it kind of grew and grew and We didn't have a lot of money growing up, so I couldn't afford to go to concerts. I had friends that would go to the bad concert and people would give me gifts knowing that I was a big fan. So I would get things like key rings and tapes and records and things like that. And um, I would always play, 
you know, having the the records that mum already had at home, so Off the Wall, Thriller, the Triumph album, I would just play my favourite songs from those albums on repeat. I remember playing in Can You Feel It? There's the bit where Michael Jackson sings, hey, hey, and I would just go back to that bit with the needle over and over again. So <laughs> it was a really big obsession for me early on. So from there, it kind of grew. And through high school, I was one of not very many (laughs) big Michael Jackson fans. And yeah, so that's kind of where it all started and where I fell in love with Michael. And it's kind of never really stopped. So that's me. That's great, Marnie. But I know you're being a little bit modest there on a couple of points, which I want to get to. The first one is that I was in the room when you got crowned as Australia's number one Michael Jackson fan. And it did happen and it was awesome. And I want to hear a little bit about that. Sure. So I guess in the lead up to that, you know, every fan goes through their, you know, their own journeys. We can't all be obsessively collecting all the time. Life happens and things like that. And there was a point in my life I had a really significant life event, you know, kind of had to concentrate on healing from that and cooled off for a while, but then realized with the invention of the internet that we were a bit more connected and I could actually connect with more Michael Jackson fans and kind of feed <laughs> feed that old obsession. So got my first computer and sought out online forums and things like that and guess connected with the MJ community. And with the fan award, that's kind of a funny story because I was running a Michael Jackson fan forum at the time with some friends. And a competition came up for Michael Jackson's 50th birthday. And as everyone remembers, they did the album in every country, the compilation album. So there's a, you know, Michael Jackson 50th anniversary Australian edition and a Mexican edition and a Japanese edition. And Australia was hosting a big party for his birthday. And with that, they had, they were trying to find the Australia's number one fan. So they got their entries and they found the top five. So I was surprised that I even landed top five. That was just crazy to me. Surely there were bigger fans than me and I hadn't even seen Michael Jackson live and couldn't afford to. So I just was blown away. And anyway, after filming a great TV spot, so it was with Sony, Max TV, um, I think Channel V, we all had our little funny MJ50 TV spots and YouTube spots. And then they flew all the five finalists down to Sydney for this party. And for some reason, they decided that I was the winner. So (laughs) yeah, fun times. It was actually one of the greatest parties and memories I have. So me too. It was it was absolutely wonderful. That was the first time we ever met. And I remember flying down to Sydney. Um, I think it was I was your guest actually. You guys were allowed to bring a number of people. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for that again. And uh, my brother and I, we flew down to Sydney. We we hung out with a bunch of awesome people, including yourself, the late TJ, tabloid junk, great, great friend of ours, and uh, Damien Shields as well, and uh, a number of people. Yeah. So we had a great time. And, and, and boy, when... We were there at the, uh, I can't remember where the venue was in Sydney, but I know Sony was running it and there were the whole pre-drinks and we got to mingle with Tim from Sony and talk about Michael and Michael was alive at the time. So that was crazy being able to speculate with Sony about what he was up to and he was hinting at different things. But when it came time for the the actual ceremony, boy, that was that was great. So again, you're being a bit modest and downplaying that because, you, you know, 
the the crowd when um all of these finalists and and so many of them could have could have got that award damien was nominated and, and a bunch of people but um when they said your name when they called your name out the whole room erupted and just went electric and crazy and cheering and you were up on stage and it was very very cool and a, a special memory i'll have forever i f- just want to say that um something that's very special about our friendship to me is that we always seem to be together whenever there's a really big michael thing happening whether we're seeing the jacksons or janet you're always there with me and i really appreciate that and and love that so yeah i think even for this is it and just everything all the all the big events and yeah it's it's really cool that's it. Now, just before we move on to Dan, I got one more thing to ask you, because um, you mentioned earlier that you ran a fan club. That, of course, was Maximum Jackson, the best Michael Jackson forum that's ever been online. I loved it. I agree. Tell us about the experience of running Maximum Jackson and, and what you guys accomplished in your time. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, Maximum Jackson or Max Jax, as we like to call it, was definitely a labor of love. And how that came about, I spoke earlier about reconnecting with fans and going on Michael Jackson forums. I was on a couple, but not really dedicated to a lot, uh, well, to one in particular. A fan site popped up called, or a fan forum popped up called Club MJ, which spectacularly failed unfortunately um definitely had its issues and that's where i think i met a lot of the australian fans so i think that's where i met damien i think i met tj there there was a whole bunch of us australian fans that ended up becoming really good friends as a result of that fan club so there was a good meetup in sydney that happened before it all imploded as well which was yeah. really good yeah so it i mean it definitely brought people together even though it ended very badly from there I went on to Michael Jackson News Online or MJNO which was one of the best Michael Jackson forums it was also the biggest and for a long time they closed off memberships and I was just waiting to get in and then one day the founder opened it up and that's where I actually met the other founders of Max Jacks. They were all from the UK. And yeah, that was really good getting to know them. A couple of us were moderators together. And then unfortunately, MJNO closed. The founder decided that, you know, he'd been running it for years and it was time for it to end while it was on a high. And uh, that's what happened, that he gave us two weeks to get everybody's contact details. And from that, we decided that we wanted to create a place that we would like to go and post. You know, MJNO was fantastic. You know, you could express your opinions there, but we also wanted a place that really focused on Michael Jackson's music, where you could be honest, where you didn't get called names or, hey, you're not a fan because you said that Michael Jackson wore a wig or you were, you know, censored because you said that you don't think that Michael Jackson dangling his baby off a balcony was a good idea at the time. You know, things like that. We wanted honest, free conversation about Michael Jackson. You know, he wasn't perfect, but we also wanted a big focus on the music. So, and a fun place as well. So we had fun names for our sub forums as well. So it was a really great place that we created and I was really, really proud of it. Um, We put a lot of time and energy. It was a First thing I thought about and did when I got up in the morning before work, and the last thing I thought about and did before I went to bed at night. So, yeah, there was a lot of time and passion put into that place. So, yeah. You know, like uh, Steve Jobs said it's, it's in one of his famous speeches, it's really hard to connect the dots looking forward, but it's easy to connect the dots looking back. And when I think about our story as friends, all of us, 
It all intertwines and interconnects. Club MJ falling apart and Max Jacks coming together and the people really that, that came together through that experience and on Max Jacks. Out of those experience and relationships that were formed, Q and I were then able to start the MJ cast because that's when all the MJ cast is just just friends chatting and that was happening long before on Max Jacks. So you actually have a huge legacy in the MJ cast as well because you created the environment where we all got to know each other to start with. Thank you so much for saying so. I really appreciate that. I mean, I'm just an ordinary fan, honestly. I don't have a lot of fancy stuff. This is why I was shocked I won the award I did, which I'm very, very proud of, of course. But, you know, I'm just someone that, you know, tried to go and see Michael Jackson live. Unfortunately, he passed away, but I don't have a, I'm I'm just someone that read a lot about Michael Jackson, really wanted to know about the artistry. And, you know, I was just an ordinary fan. So I'm really glad that I've had, you know, some kind of impact because that's all I wanted to do, connect people. Well, if you don't mind me saying so, in in my opinion, you're not just an ordinary fan. For my fan experience in particular, you you were the kind of person that I always looked up to because I've seen you in so many different forms over the year. And Mani was you were just always a voice of of reason, uh, a voice of passion. In in my opinion, you you really are just uh, amazing, and you made my fan experience so much better. Uh, I just always, you know, enjoyed seeing you around. You were you were a voice of reason sometimes in the madness for me. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bjorn. I really, really appreciate that. I I did dedicate a lot of time, and that's what it was about. It was about the fans, and you know, well, for Max Jacks, you know, having a safe place for the fans to come and speak about whatever, and definitely took that approach with MJNO before that as well. So uh, I really appreciate that, considering that you're legendary and, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Big Brother winner and all that kind of stuff. It, you know, it makes me feel very humble. So, oh, please, that means nothing. But but really, Max <laughs> Jacks was one of my favorite places in the world. You know. I just, I'm just so sad that Facebook killed, you know, the MJ forum kind of mentality. I really miss those days. Yeah, so do I. You know, Bjorn, I'm not so sure it's just social media because I'm involved in some other communities like Apple sort of geek tech world communities. And they have some massive forums that are still really, really active. I'm hoping maybe the MJ forum can sort of make a comeback. I know there's a couple out there now, but they're sort of ruled with a bit of an iron fist. So I I wouldn't mind if something like Max Jacks could start up again where current Michael Jackson news and leaks and and different things can be placed for archival purposes and discussion. I mean, I I would vote for an MJ cast forum for sure. (laughs) Well, sure, if you're volunteering to start it and run it. <laughs> we have our Facebook page. People can comment and stuff on there. <laughs> well, there we go. Now, I want to cross over to uh, another one of my close MJ mates, Dane Thompson from Studio Brisbane. Dane, how are you? Can you walk us through your fan story? Yeah, sure. Mine's um, probably going to be a lot briefer than Marnie's, but it's pretty basic, really. My first memory in life was watching the bad video and just seeing him like in this black outfit with the buckles and the long black hair. And I just thought this guy was an, just amazing. It's just a superhero. And uh, yeah, it kind of uh, evolved over the years. Obviously, when I was still younger, I had um, like the things like the Moonwalker movie was just, um, 
you know, further became amazing in my eyes. And before Dangerous was released, I remember my dad buying me the Thriller CD that just, you know, fleshed out, you know, my history of uh, Michael. And, um, and I remember the Dangerous album being released and my dad again bringing home the CD the day it was released and just going crazy over that. Then, of course, there was the Bucharest tour. So I think that was, of course, the first time that I'd seen him, you know, live or seen a live concert of him and was just blown away again. So just constantly just being amazed and mesmerized by him. So it was just inevitable that I'd just become, a, become and stay a Michael Jackson fan my whole life. I'd always been known as, you know, the big Michael Jackson fan at school through, you know, uni, work, even my neighbours, you know, blaring his music loud all the time and, and now crossing over into YouTube a bit with some like Michael Jackson covers and hope to do more in the future. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. He's just been my life, basically, from day one. Yeah, that's great. We'll talk a little bit later about how he sort of inspired and, and impacted your life. But um, I do have a question about musically, like you, you are a musician, what is it about Michael you appreciate the most musically? His um, technicality, the way he just crafts music and beats percussion, it's affected me so much that, like, even when I'm walking around the house sometimes, like with his dancing, I'll go to open a fridge, I'll do a, do a little Michael Jackson slide. The way, he, <laughs> the way he attacks words when he sings, like, just puts the oomph in there. Still today when I even though I've listened to his music, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times, like you can, if you concentrate, you can still pick up things that you've never noticed before. I think that's just crazy. He was amazing at doing ballads, beautiful, big, epic numbers, as well as, you know, rock and, and uh, all sorts of different kind of uh, genres. So he's, uh, I think he's helped my um, eclectic music taste as well. Just, um, not being limited to pop or rock, you know, just there's a bit of metal in there too with Dirty Diana and Give In To Me. And I think that's why I like a lot of metalheads like Michael Jackson as well, because there's just something in this ferocity of, of him as an artist. But I think, you know, people that you wouldn't normally think would be Michael Jackson fans are actually Michael Jackson fans. Now you're similar to Marnie in that you're being a little bit modest about your fan story because I know that, um, well, uh, first of all, we sort of got to know each other post-leaving Neverland, but I actually knew of you long, long before that because back in 2010, I was involved in a group of people called The Truth Untold, and uh, we were researching and investigating the fraudulent Casio tracks on the first posthumous album, Michael. I, at the time, were doing some film projects with the crew, and I remember scouring YouTube looking for videos of fans reacting to the Casio tracks and Breaking News and the Michael album. And mm. you were one of the first fans to blow the whistle on that album because you've got a great YouTube video where you're talking about being flabbergasted by the by the vocals on, on that album. And I remember yeah. Damien, Damien Shields, a friend of mine who's doing the project exposing that, the, the podcast coming out, faking michael we went to dinner one night together the three of us and i remember not telling him you were that guy 
until just before the dinner. And he was like, really? I'm having dinner with the flabbergasted guy? And uh, <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious. I'm serious. So tell us, all, tell us all about that video and, and why you sort of decided to make that. Yeah, that was such an in-the-moment video. I remember staying up late, whatever night it was, because break, the song Breaking News was being released online, you know, his first major single after his death. So it's like, oh, I can't, can't wait to hear this. And um, so I remember listening to it. And first of all, I, I and a lot of the fans had obviously known about this gentleman named Jason Malachi for quite a long time. Like, oh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it does sound like Michael. Oh, yeah, he's doing his own thing. That's all good. Dane, do you remember when, like, in the forums and stuff, and Lord Marnie, I know you'll remember it, and Bjorn too, remember when everyone was like, oh, Mama Cedar, there's a new Michael song called Mama Cedar. And we're like, uh, what? No. <laughs> do you guys remember that? I, I remember. I wasn't, involved, I wasn't involved so much in the forums. I The first time I came across him uh, was on YouTube, and I saw his song, Let Me Let Go. And originally it was said it was by Michael Jackson. I think even initially I was kind of like, oh, maybe this is a demo or something. For some reason it didn't take long to work out. Like, yeah, the voice is a bit off. The vibrato is completely wrong. And, yeah, eventually yeah, somewhere in the comments that we learned it was Jason Malachi. But, yeah, as I was listening to this song Breaking News, like never, never in the world would have thought this could be a possibility. So I'm, I'm just taking, okay, this is Michael Jackson listening to it. I'm like, okay, it sounds a bit weird. Maybe it's a, yeah, obviously they've used a demo and and then the song finished and I just sat there and I'm like, hmm, something's just not right. So I played it again. As soon as I played it again, the singing started again. I'm like, I know that voice. And I was absolutely stunned. So I quickly did a lot of YouTubing or Googling and even before my video, there were, fans posting their videos saying oh holy shit this is jason malachi singing on breaking news so i thought it was just my duty to record my own little video and, and get the message out there as well and just help spread it because i yeah i was absolutely obviously flabbergasted i was gobsmacked <laughs> i was stunned i was shocked i remember yeah as i said i wasn't involved with uh, forums too much at the time but obviously did at some point because i went on to talk about it and um it was a bit of a taboo subject a lot of people were saying yes it's it is jason malachi but the, the powers that be in the forum, those forums would not allow conversations of that nature to take place you were either banned or blocked if you brought it up so i think there was uh, some fans that sincerely did believe it was michael jackson so they were just trying to i don't know i, I think they were trying to keep all the arguments and all that to a minimum so well, I guess that's yeah, what they were doing there. But I think um, uh, the majority of the fans are on the, the side of, you know, it being a fraud. Now, there's not many that do think it's Michael Jackson, I don't think. Um, I have to jump in and just talk about, I guess, uh, and I wanted to do this last recording as well, talk about uh, just really quickly Max Jax's part in that. We... I mean, there was definitely um, a state influence when it came to censoring fans on the forums and there was some that cooperated more than others. For us, we were getting 
emails and threatening letters a lot. And obviously that was causing us to go, well, we we don't want them to (laughs) close us down. So we've got to do something. So there was definitely occasions where we, you know, were going, you know, maybe we should express our opinions in a more diplomatic way. But I hated feeling like I had to censor the fans, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there was definitely a big estate influence going on behind the scenes, but definitely other forums were cooperating more. I know that. Mm, There you go. These are the kind of people we're dealing with in the estate. You know, think about that. The executors were contacting fan forums to persuade them to silence our opinions on a product. These are the people we're dealing with. Crazy. Well, you know what? I just received a DM from Jason Malachi two days ago expressing he'd like to come on the show at some point. So we will see what happens there. And I certainly will be putting a few questions to him if that if that can happen. Wow. So, Dane, thank you very much for uh, your thoughts there. And uh, let's move on to our other participants. That's right. Some of our longtime listeners and I got to meet at least Dr. Raj. I haven't met that tasty snack Bjorn yet, but I have met handsome Dr. Raj. And uh, that was back at an in the studio with MJ here in Perth just a few years ago. And uh, yeah, we've been friends ever since and we catch up with our MJ mates here in Perth. We've got a great little group of gentlemen and ladies and it's always good to see them. I have to check the calendar because I actually think there is a catch-up coming up at one of the ladies' houses actually because she has a pool and it has been very hot this summer already. But uh, Dr. Raj, we would love to hear your story, please. Take it away. Well, uh, where do I begin? I guess... I can take myself remembering back in sort of early 90s, I would have been five, six years old. My, my first memory of anything Michael related was um, my parents had bought me um, a bootlegged VHS copy of the Bad Tour from Yokohama uh, in 87. And I remember watching that over and over again. My parents were just casual fans, but, you know, Michael was huge back in the 80s. And so they had managed to get it from Sharjah on the way in UAE on the way to Europe. And uh, I remember watching it and things that just really take me back is um, seeing the performance of Rock With You, uh, Want to Be Starting Something, the the start. All those memories, um, gosh, they're flooding back at the moment. I remember being a five and six-year-old watching it on VHS on repeat over and over and over and over again. I just thought this guy was a superhuman, this a huge superhero, magical guy floating on air, doing moves so far, so quick, spinning like I've never had seen him before. And there was no one at that stage really who had even who I had heard of as a musician. And, you know, Michael Jackson was known all over the world. For me, watching Michael on stage for the Bad Tour, that was, you know, the pinnacle. That was probably... 1991, 92. And then from there, I, we were living in Finland at the time. I lived in Europe for a few years. And uh, I remember the live Bucharest concert by HBO, ironically, back in 92. I remember watching that live. And, you know, from watching the Bad Tour concert uh, in Yokohama to then watching on TV live the Bucharest concert was just amazing, incredible. And you can imagine as a young, I guess, six-year-old what that would do to someone 
at how how impressionable uh, we are at that stage. And so I thought, you know, it was a phenomenal concert. It certainly was a better, much better lit concert I now remember because the bad tour concert was quite, the lighting was a bit poor. But anyway, so I remember, you know, watching that live with my parents, watching the thriller dance. I still remember him in the white jacket, you know, watching my small TV. We didn't have, obviously, LEDs, LCDs back then. There was a cathode ray, you know, the old school box TVs watching Michael on screen. And that was just one of the greatest things I had ever seen at that point. I guess moving on, you know, 1995 came around. And um, at that point, I remember we were transitioning from Europe to Australia, where we now live. And History Album came out. I remember my parents, you know, I didn't get a chance to buy the History Album. I was, you know, I think nine at that stage. I didn't get a chance to buy the History Album. But for my birthday, the following year, I got a surprise History Album. And that was just amazing. And obviously, back then, there was no such thing as Spotify, any of the social sort of stuff, YouTube that you can just go online and just download and listen to, you know, you know, pirated stuff that's been uploaded. And so, you know, your experience is very limited in terms of what you can get access to for the music. But you'd hear stuff on the radio and watching, you know, if, if for the Australian fans, you'd remember the TV show Rage on ABC, but they'd have short films like They Don't Care About Us and Earth Song playing. And so I remember watching that. And so 1996, and then, you know, uh, Michael announced his History World Tour. He had come in the papers that he'd be touring Australia. And Perth, where we where I live, in, was on the cards. And so my parents knew that, you know, uh, it was going to be a once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity. And thankfully, you know, at the time, the tickets were expensive. And, you know, I was only 10 years old now at this stage. I was very fortunate to be given a ticket by my parents uh, to go see the concert. I remember this was November 8, Saturday of 1996. I still remember the, the days. Correct me if I'm wrong. Someone's going to, I'm sure, correct me. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, this is going back a long way. But uh, so I watched this, uh, went to the concert by myself. I still remember, I, wore, you know, this, I was 10 years old. And my parents made me wear a suit. It was just comical. <laughs> <laughs> it was just absolutely comical. I didn't dress up by a suit. But this is at the Burswood Dome, which unfortunately does not exist anymore in Perth. But um, it was about 20 to 30K thousand venue indoor stadium um and i remember going there they had the massive history tour not like a big placard i guess if you can call it hanging from the side of one side of the uh, stadium and it was just a phenomenal concert i was 10 years old even though the seats were quite far away it was just mind-blowing and I, I couldn't you know i then went back to school on monday i was year five at that stage and i was like I was telling all my friends it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I bought a couple of posters, like the V for Victory uh, sign, light up, plastic thing. I can't remember what it was called. I didn't get a chance to get by the uh, mystery drink that I think was on sale. <laughs> but, yeah, I thought it was the most amazing thing. And at that stage, Michael you know, had become cool and was you know, quite a nice thing. I had a few other people had gone to the concert as well. So I was connecting through with them about that. I remember, you know... Back in sort of those days, I was in high school, early high school, and I was like the only ethnic kid in school of, you know, 600 or whatever uh, students. And um, a lot of my friends and, you know, uh, schoolmates knew that I was a huge Michael fan. And I was um, selected to be a school, the head, the head boy or the school captain. And in our school ball, they had 
the way it made me feel come on. Everyone knew that I was a huge fan and I had my suit on and someone passed me the fedora and I, you know, they made a big ring around me and I did all the moves, Michael moves. And it was just one of those things that you do impromptu, but it was just so much fun and it was just a great night. And then Don't Stop Till You Get Enough came on again and did more moves and it was just, it was just a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So that was, you know, around that sort of time late in high school. And then 2001 sort of came about. Um, I remember the Invincible album dropping, and this was, I guess, soon after, correct me if I'm wrong, James, soon after September 11, those two concerts. And I know you're a big fan of those two <laughs> concerts because that transitioned you into a massive fan, I think, oh, it, if it I remember correctly. Did. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, I, the show, one of them was, um, the second show was just hours. I think we couldn't have been more than about, nine or ten hours before uh the first plane struck the world trade center yeah absolutely and um you know i still remember watching i think they did show those shows i'm not sure if it was soon after or whether it was around that time i still remember september 11 like the other day but I remember walking to school and thinking about oh my god this happened in you know in new york madison square gardens you know the concert was just a few days ago and yeah it was surreal uh absolutely unbelievable was unfolding in front of our eyes but um you know, at the same time, I was thinking, oh, where's Michael? Is he okay? Is he Has he been flown back to California, to Neverland? Obviously, at that time, you know, news was only through TV kind of stuff and very little through the, you know, print media as we know it really in terms of online stuff. But, um, you know, that passed a few months and then the Invincible album came out. So, you know, I remember watching You Rock My World on ABC, uh, Rage Again and things like that on the radio. And that really, you know, this was at a time when I was becoming a young adult and I was really getting into what his music was all about, understanding the deeper aspects of his humanitarianism, his philosophical work. And so I think that's when I was starting to now looking toward a medium where I could discuss things like his art through other fan forums. And so that's where sort of the online aspect came into about where I started to look for fan forums and I found my first one I think was MJ KOP and then that sort of fizzled a little bit but then I found MJ Star and it's funny stories that you know I was an MJ Star and at that time you know I joined and there was this one guy who's always so critical and negative it turned out to be at Charlie Thompson our legal correspondent <laughs> and uh, I was getting a bit irritated like this guy's always so negative about Michael's stuff and his art and so that doesn't I think sound like one, Charlie at all <laughs> oh no not at all uh, I remember sort of writing a post not cussed him out but I thought I've made a few jabs at him and I think I got banned for a little bit so uh, <laughs> sorry about that Charlie no hard feelings um but yeah, that, that sort of led us, I think that at that point, it then led on to, um, from MJ side, there was a lot of sort of admin censorship and things, which sort of led to a breakaway group, which went on to become a separate website called MJFU. Um, and that's where I sort of met <laughs> online guys like Samar Habib, uh, big shout out to him, Ryan Michaels, Amanda Mann, some of these other uh, amazing people I met online. And that's actually, in fact, where I first heard about the MJ cast. Uh, oh, they were wow. talking about, you know, yeah, so that's where I first and obviously I went on and then got hooked. So that was the fan forum years. But then, you know, a few years went by, nothing was really happening in terms of Michael's output as an artist. His 2005 trial came about and that was a bit of a, 
you know, downer, but, you know, we always knew he was going to be vindicated. And um, sure enough, June 13, 2005, that 14 counts acquittal, that was an amazing time to be a fan. At this point, during 2005, I was sort of midway through sort of med school at the time. And then 2009 came about. And I remember staying up for his This Is It announcement. This was, I think, 3 a.m. in the morning, Perth time. Stayed up, watched his announcement. Obviously, my heart was racing because I'm like, you know, I'm going to be watching Michael definitely one way or another as an adult where I can appreciate his art and all that sort of stuff. Oh, man, you're um, putting me right back in this moment myself. I'm remembering my mm, night doing yeah. this as well. But sorry, sorry, go on. Yeah, so it was just one of those things. I'm like, yes, you know, I'll see you in July. This is going to be happening. I'm going to get tickets. I'm still, at this point, I was a final year med school student. So poor, as, as you know, all students generally are. Yeah. Um, but I was <laughs> Living like, on noodles. Gonna, that was me. Exactly, exactly. I was like, I'm going to somehow work part-time, get my parents' help, I need to go to London, this is going to happen, you know. And sure enough, you know, I was actually, you know, in two minds, you know, in terms of timing from from uni point of view, but about two weeks before the anticipated concert, or maybe a month, I decided, look, I'm going to buy it. I, I bit the bullet and bought tickets to the first night. And, you know, through MJFU, the forum, I had become good friends with Samar Habib, and I'm very thankful he was going to host me when I flew over to London. So I'm very grateful for that. So we're going to hang out, catch up. We had made all these plans. But alas, uh, it wasn't meant to be. And uh, two th- you know, June 25th came about. And it was interesting. Um, the morning of, I-, I woke up, it was around seven o'clock in the morning in Perth time. And I had gotten about five to 10 texts from my friends. And they're like, hey, man, are you okay? Are you- is-, is everything all right? I'm like, what's this all about? I mean, of course I'm okay. What's going on? And then I got a call from my parents, I believe, and he's like, they're like, have you heard the news? Turn the TV on. And that's when, you know, the world came crashing down, essentially. You know, I think everyone probably, all of us here who listen to the show, fans, remember the exact moment when they found out that Michael's rushed to hospital, cardiac arrest. And yeah, I, this, I don't know what to take. I remember on Facebook, like writing a thousand, you know, posts writing his lyrics, writing updates. On, uh, I must have sounded like an absolute loony to all my friends who were non-MJ fans, but I reckon if you go through my Facebook, there have been about you know 500 or so <laughs> status updates in that very you know first hour. It was just crazy. Mm-hmm. It was like meltdown. Um, and ironically, uh, at, during that very, you know, I guess, period of time, finally in med school, I was doing a rotation in palliative care. So palliative care is a discipline of medicine where – you treat uh, the terminally ill patients, people who are near death's door, and how to basically treat them. And so I had an assignment. I had to write about a piece where I was dealing with someone's death of some, a patient. And, you know, ironically, um, I, I, had, I didn't go into PRAC that day. I had emailed my supervisor, and obviously Michael's death was like a, a family death, essentially, you know. He asked me to write a little piece on how I felt about his death and how it affected me. So that was my assignment. And it, it was just so very kind of my supervisor to allow me to express that into words, how I felt. And it was tough. Um, as a huge fan, it was very tough. And at the time, you know, I didn't really know anyone in Perth that I could connect with. But I do remember the, the, the weeks and few days after Michael's passing, 
there were some events held at parks where they would blast his music. His music was everywhere. It was ubiquitous, you know, in the newspaper, media, print and online, everywhere. So it was really lovely to see that kind of outpouring of love for him. Forward many, many years now down the line, maybe 2015, if I remember correctly, Q remember better, but I knew that um, Brad's in the studio with uh, MJ was coming to Perth. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I've heard about this online and how amazing this uh, seminar is over two days. So I took two days off work and that's where I met Q and some of my other amazing friends that I've now developed a friendship with from Perth. And uh, yeah, the rest is history really, you know, ever since then we do our regular Perth MJ catch-ups for his birthday. And I've recently caught up with Q a couple of weeks ago as well. He's become a very good friend of mine. And uh, yeah, here we are, 2019, end of 2019, shall I say, in the post-aftermath of leaving Neverland. Yeah. Yep, here we are. I, as I reflect on your story, I, I do have one question for you about, you mentioned being super excited and staying up late for that this is it announcement. And I, and I remember exactly the same feeling. I was online, actually in an online chat with Marnie and Q and <laughs> all, all my all right. you know, Damien and TJ and all my mates. And we were there in, in this online chat waiting for everything to happen and watching it live. And I had a very different mental take on what I saw than what I expected I was going to have. And I, and I just, I'd like to know what your recollections were when Michael came on stage and all of that. What were you thinking when that was happening? I think the, the euphoria of knowing that Michael is now going to be finally returning to stage after so long, I think that's, that's all I was thinking about. I mean, at the time, I didn't really think about oh, his mental state, his movements, whether he was slurring his speech. It was only afterwards that you know, I got to learn about the actual true events of what happened with Randy Phillips and the hotel room incidents and all that sort of stuff. But I was just really excited. As, you know, this, this was what, 2000 and early 2009? I would have been early yeah. 20s. Super excited. And, you know, I was just, all I could think of is how do I get more information? How can I, you know, go onto forums and just find out as much as I can about what was going to happen? What would be the song, the set list, the costumes, where it's going to be, where they're rehearsing, all those things. But I was in a positive frame of mind. I guess perhaps maybe, you know, um, Jamie, you, you guys had formed quite a close-knit group and so you guys had instant um, interaction to discuss all this. But for me, it wasn't as as instant. I had to seek all that information out a bit down the line. So for me, it was just all excitement to begin with. Very excited. No worries. It's Yeah, fascinating hearing your thoughts on it. I remember in the moment Marnie and I, specifically Marnie and I, uh, we, we watched it and I remember, th- and I was excited as well and looking forward to the shows, but I just remember feeling like, wow, Michael is, um, you know, really, uh, what's the word, uh, hyperactive, kind of like in the living with Michael Jackson scene where he's mm. feeding a blanket and he's sort of like jittering yeah. and hypo. I remember feeling yeah. that and he, and he didn't follow the, the, the teleprompter on the stage and I was like, Something doesn't feel right. And I couldn't put my mm. finger on it until months later that, yeah, something obviously had, had been wrong. But, yeah, it's interesting hearing about how different people reacted to that moment. Mm. In the yeah, t- in absolutely. The, yeah. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Raj. It is always cool to not only hear that story, but super cool to be able to share it with our listeners on this episode. So, Mr. Bjorn, what a story have you got to share with us? Like, yes, firstly, drop in about the big brother, please. And uh, maybe people have seen you baking delicious desserts on a TV show in, in Denmark. Maybe you can let people know about your podcast at this early stage of the episode as well. Just drop it in, drop the name for those people that uh, speak Danish. But, uh, yeah, Bjorn, it's time for you to share <laughs> your fan story, sir. Oh, good Lord. Well, thank you very much. Um uh, well, as far as all the podcasts and all that stuff goes, it's really not nothing MJ related at all. But I'm just gonna say it anyways. Plug the shit out of it. Um, <laughs> I, I I run a podcast that's called Imagine's Fußball. It's a Danish language podcast where we're searching for the first editions of the Harry Potter books. So it's basically like a almost detective kind of podcast as we try and find those very rare books, which. Apparently, no one in Denmark is looking for it, which makes it that much harder. That's that's a podcast that I'm doing in Imagine's Full Spore in the footsteps of magic. As far as all the other things, I have done quite a bit of television in Denmark. That does not make me a reality star in my book, but certainly some people do recognize me from that. And that's sort of like a little bit of the reason why I left Denmark for a little while. And as you mentioned earlier, I live in Gran Canaria right now, which is the Canary Islands, um, a Spanish island outside the coast of Africa. And I run a restaurant here with my husband called Copenhagen by Hannibal. It's uh, sort of, you know, Danish, Scandinavian kind of thing. So that's where I am today. But as far as, as my Michael Jackson fan story, I'm, I'm pretty sure my stories can really live up to all of these other crazy people, which have been fantastic to listen to. Because Denmark is sort of, it's a very small country, and I'm pretty sure nothing exciting has ever happened there MJ-related. Maybe apart from, from, you know, the history concerts and the whole, you know, happy birthday MJ, that, that was pretty exciting. But... Uh, but yeah, since his passing, not not a lot has happened in the little kingdom of Denmark. The way that I got introduced to Michael was when I was, I think it was eight years old. I was uh, with my best friend, Peter, at the time, and uh, he played the Bad Album for me. He played Man in the Mirror as a very first song. And that's that's oh, such a good song. Still my favorite today. And and. I was just hooked from from hearing that song. It was just so beautiful and moving and incredible. And I remember Peter having this poster on his store. You remember the the full length bad promo poster that that like filled the entire door. And I asked him, "Who's that lady on the door?" <laughs> and of course, he said, "That's that's not a lady. That's Michael Jackson." <laughs> I've had a few um, nephews ask that same question. So yeah, it's yeah. not uncommon for young kids and and young people to ask that. You know, with the long curly hair and the eye makeup, and I mean, it's it's uh, I guess for 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 young kids, it's just an assumption you make, you know. But yeah, ever since that, you know, the the whole ball kind of just rolled for me. Peter 
I guess, grew out of being a fan. How does that even happen? I don't know. So I sort of inherited all of his posters and all of his things, which I didn't mind for a second. Well, I guess the fan community in Denmark isn't really that large. And I really used the internet a lot as a way to just get in touch with people on the interwebs. I started on a English language but Danish founded forum called smoothcriminal.com, which was amazing for its time and well ahead of the curve of some of the other early fan forums. And then I guess I shifted to, you know, MJJ Forum, which became MJJ Community. And I was on Max Jacks. I was on MJ Club, I think was one too. I was on a lot of different things. But it really was a way for me to expand my views, to learn more about Michael Jackson, to chat with other fans, and also to download the shit out of all of his concerts, you know, all the bootlegs, <laughs> all that stuff, which was fantastic. I really missed that, you know, sort of inquisitive periods in my MJ fan life because at the moment I sort of feel like I've seen it all, which is why, you know, it's so exciting when when something new comes out. Also, as I mentioned before, people like Mani became such a big part of my early MJ fandom because these were people that had been around for a while, that had, I, I guess, not seen it all, but you know what I mean, had the experience in the MJ community. And I learned a lot from from people like that, including Marnie. I think that's an important thing is that we, uh, we learn from each other and also respect sort of veteran fans, I guess, for lack of a better term, like long-term yeah. fans. I think that's an important thing, especially for like young kids now on social media that maybe don't have the same level as interaction as what we used to back in the forums and, and uh, message board days. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, are you saying that I'm old? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I am old, but, but just, you know. Aren't you um, younger yeah. than me? I think you're younger than me. Oh, like a year, Q. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, short, but yeah, we're no, all thank old. <laughs> we are, yeah. Thank you so much, Bjorn, for sharing that. And do not underestimate your story because it was just as entertaining and important as everyone's. And uh, we're going to do a little music break now. This is the first of two tracks we're playing today from Dane that is speaking with us. Dane Thompson, this is his acoustic instrumental cover of Smooth Criminal.
I'm Vincent Patterson. Please come and join us on the MJ cast. We'd love to have you with us. Okay, folks, and after that music break, the next little topic we're going to discuss is how have you coped this year in particular as MJ fans after all that we've been through and all that Michael's been through this year? And also, how are you doing now? So now's a good time to speak freely, speak honestly, as we do here at the MJ cast, and I look forward to your opinions. So, Marnie, shall we start with yourself? How have you coped this year as an MJ fan? And, and how are you doing now? How are you doing at the end of the year? Yeah, so it's been a tough year to say the least. And I guess I started off with the whole, uh, well, I guess with Wade Robson's and Jimmy Safechuck's claims, ignoring it, you know, going. I, I always go in with, the attitude when it comes to these negative things with the attitude of if I pay attention to it or pay attention to it in front of others, then it gains more traction. That's another person, you know, talking about it and this thing deserves no attention whatsoever. So I kind of went in to the beginning of the year with that approach. And I actually remember saying to Jamin uh, when we went to the Jackson's concert or the summer series concerts, um, at that concert saying, I'm ignoring it. I, I think that we shouldn't pay attention to it at all. And my opinion very, very quickly changed when I realised how much this documentary or this film, this very glossy Hollywood film, had, um, you know, gained the attention of everyone, celebrities, uh, all the Australian news programs. You know, they had a current affair. They had... 60 Minutes, they had Sunday Night, these, you know, in inverted commas, respected uh, news or a current, a current affairs shows. You know, they it, this thing had gotten the attention of them and was starting to just spread like wildfire. And I very quickly changed my approach, although it, I guess it wasn't very healthy for me. But I thought it was very important to start educating people. You know, I was being asked at work about this, you know, what my opinion was and what I knew about it. So it was always in front of me, whether that was on the TV, whether it was scrolling through Facebook and at work all around me. And, you know, my family was asking me about it as well. So, you know, I felt then it was my duty to kind of step up and, and start answering questions and talk about what I knew you know I I remember the 93 allegations very well and I was very well researched on that so I could answer any questions just from right back from then you know and a lot of those allegations came up as a result of this documentary so I felt like it was my duty to step up I was you know trying to educate people online being a bit of a keyboard warrior but in the best <laughs> in the best way possible you know when people were saying you know oh well the maid saw everything and i was like well this this maid actually did this and this is what actually happened and did you know that that security guard was actually successfully sued and you know these people actually owe michael jackson money and now they're just trying to get more money from him when previously they'd stolen from him and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I really felt like it was my duty to present people the facts because there were so many Michael Jackson fans saying things like, leave him alone. 
he's a big kid and you know he didn't have a childhood and that wasn't helping oh my god so unhelpful (laughs) even to this day yeah so unhelpful and just and and saying just being outraged but not actually giving them anything behind the outrage like I was outraged, but this is why the uneducated group of fans that were being keyboard warriors online were just not contributing. It was just saying very, very meaningless things that was just adding fuel to the fire. I really felt like it was my duty to kind of step up. So I was very, very consumed by it, I will say, and really trying to help the situation. But of course, it's, you know, it was worldwide. It ended up on Oprah. Ellen tweeted about it. Louis Theroux gave his opinion about it. It was, you know, these people who, you know, even I previously respected and and watched. It was very hard to kind of see this happen as a result of this very glossy one-sided film. So yeah, it definitely hurt my mental health for sure. And not just that, of course, you know, I thought what if this did happen to be true? You know, what does that mean for me as a Michael Jackson fan, as someone that has invested so much time for the from the age of seven years old? So we're talking 30 plus years here, you know, a lot of time, energy, money, love, passion. What does that mean for me as a fan, as someone that has poured this much time and energy? What does that, you know, what if it is true? And that really kind of hurt me to think about as well, you know. I don't think you're alone in that though, Marnie. I think a lot of us sort of had those points of view that we had thought, what the heck? Like, what does this say about me as a person? Like, even yeah. Yeah, like, well, hang on. These guys are coming out of this and what if I was wrong and on the wrong side of history yeah. before, you know, before you realize, oh, hang on, this is so not adding up in the slightest and there's Absolutely. there's nothing that these guys are saying that corroborate anything and it's yeah. just ridiculous. But yeah, I think I don't think you're alone in thinking that, especially almost like a shame, like, well, you know, people are going to think this about Michael. What do they think about me? And I I remember saying that to people. I was like, well, what are you saying about me? Like you're you're someone I work with or my friend. Like that's pretty offensive that you think that I would support someone that is guilty of this. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what I thought, you know. And it's hard to go around talking about those guys, about Wade and Jimmy people talk about victim shaming and if it was true you know there's a lot of people saying and a lot of fans saying all sorts of stuff about them I mean you know Trapson came out with a thing that said fuck Wade you know (laughs) um you know they're just being really you know not only are they being supported on one side but then they've got the wrath of the Michael Jackson fan community to deal with and what if it was actually true I mean how hard is that for them and you kind of have to be tread very carefully while presenting these facts so that you don't come across like you are a victim shamer or going, you know, this is so unbelievable. Why would Michael Jackson ever do that? Yeah, it was really important for me to show people that I was educated about it, that I knew what I was talking about. Yes, I watched the film and there's some great footage for the first 20 minutes and then it's absolutely awful and disgusting and I don't recommend people watch it at all. 
So it was very, very hard mentally all round. Uh, it was definitely a rocky first few months of the year, that's for sure, and it definitely consumed me. So, yeah, um, then my father died, unfortunately, and that kind of gave me a break, I guess, from the whole leaving Neverland saga because I had to go to Victoria and be with my family. So it did get forgotten about, which was a good thing. I did really need to be with my family and reconnect with my family. So yeah, it's definitely been a hard year for me all around. But as for now, when you're so consumed with something, and I was definitely that way with Max Jax as well, when certain things would come up, I'd get really, really consumed with them. Having something to break up was nice and being able to spend time with my family definitely took me away out of that. Luckily, things started to settle down when I came back to it, I guess, if you can say that. So things had settled down. I guess the dust had settled a little bit. So now I'm doing okay. I've realized there's nothing that I can do to control the situation, but I can tell people when they ask me facts. I think that that's the best thing I can do. And that's the best thing we can do as the fan community. I think the fan community have done a really good job of bringing up these inaccuracies, these provable lies, and they've done an amazing job collectively of being able to show people that this is not true. So it's a really great thing. We've got that now. So I'm feeling okay now, but it's definitely been a hard year as a Michael Jackson fan. It has been a hard year all round, to be honest. This has not been one of the best years, not even with just only the Michael stuff, but... You know, a friend of ours that uh, that you knew, that Bjorn knew from online, Jamin and I knew, TJ, you know, he, we lost him this year. And there's just been yeah. blow after blow after blow. King Jordan, another podcaster. Yeah, yeah exactly. This year has been uh, not great. There were two really important MJ warriors in the community as well, you know, really great fans that people looked up to and, you know, definitely would have, had Michael Jackson's back till the end. So, yeah, it's really sad. Can I just say, I think Fuck Wade is the song of the year for me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to take away from Fuck Wade. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was a different highlight. Thank you, Marnie, for your honesty. I really appreciate that, and I know our listeners will as well. Dane, your turn. How have you coped this year, and how are you doing now? Well, I'll start off with how I'm doing now. I've... I can only echo what Marnie has said. That's been a truly awful year. And I think things are better now. I still, I, I don't think it's over, you know. It's still a very kind of watch this space situation. And I just feel like it's basically, it's either felt like a war has been waged or, you know, a storm has gone through the MJ fan community. That's certainly how it felt like. Uh, around January, February, March, when Leaving Neverland was premiered on Channel 10 here. And, yeah, it's it was the two words that always come to mind describing the whole situation has just been nightmare and disbelief. Nightmare because it's like, I suppose there's two things to go, to go together. It's just how in the world can this thing happen? How can it be accepted, you know, so easily how can people just swallow it so easily and it actually reminded me of i don't know if you remember the stop coney campaign 
about I do, yeah. uh, yes. however many years yeah. ago, like how easily people bes- were persuaded by that stupid bloody thing. It was, exact- it was exactly the same. Like people, you know, watched it, they got their emotional tank filled up and then they go and retreat. Oh, this person's horrible. We must stop him. You know, no one taking a moment to, to think, you know, critically, do a little bit of research, not just be emotionally blindsided by drone shots and violin music and <laughs> long pauses, all that sort of stuff. It affected people so much that st- the people still feel that way. Like they still, they haven't lost that, that kind of grasp. And if you try to present facts to them, they're just like, oh no, you're just, you know, defending a pedophile and certain people just want to believe what they want to believe. But having said all that, and I say this with a bit of hesitation, in a way, I feel it's been a positive thing and that it has really brought the fan community closer together. I mean, I have people and friends in my life now that I never would have if it weren't for leaving Neverland, especially during that time. I could almost feel a spiritual sense of like an enormous group hug, like, hang on, we're all in this together. We're going to get through this together. And then we had things like the Razor Fist videos. We had John Ziegler coming on board and helping us out. Of course, Charlie Thompson, who just, you know, is a freak with all that knowledge. He's just awesome. So there was a really, really, to me, it was a beautiful sense of community during that time. And I still think uh, goes on now. And I think we'll continue because the fans have gone through this battle together and it's unified us, made us stronger. You know, so in that way, it's it's been bloody awesome, despite how terrible it was. I agree with all of the sentiments both of you guys have just said. And something that you've really brought back to my mind is the importance of, and, and Marnie, when you were saying before about, I guess, feeling a little bit bad that, um, you know, at the time that you, you were thinking about, you know, could Michael have done this and that kind of thing. One of the learning experiences I've had over this past year is I think that is a natural response. You know, we would be, I, I think we would be worse if, if we didn't question that because, you know, it, in the Me Too era, in any era, I think it's important that anytime any allegations are raised, we do take them seriously to start with, but then question the motives of the people that are making the allegations and whether those allegations actually stand up to scrutiny. We should take them seriously, but that's very different to believing them. I would agree with that. And while we are in the Me Too era and there's very real things that have been covered up and and hidden and things like that, we are also in an era of people trying to tear each other down. You know, we've still got the tall poppy syndrome happening everywhere. Cancel Um, culture. Cancel culture, absolutely. And it's just any, anybody can do any little thing to be just cancelled in an instant and it's just unbelievable. So, yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's definitely a tread carefully situation but with the fan community at large having, you know, the knowledge that they do and the knowledge that they share, absolutely nothing gets past them. So we, we are armed and ready. Thank you for your insight there, Marnie, and, of course, Dane before that. And now we're going to head over to Raj and Bjorn. How about you take it away, Raj? Thanks, Q. Yeah, leaving Neverland has been a massive slap in the face this year. I guess knowing Wade Robson's sort of take and stance on it from Matt Lauer's interview a few years ago, I guess I'm not surprised that this was coming. But it's it's been very difficult. Certainly, 
being a big Michael fan at the best of times uh, in the public, I guess, openness is difficult to be, you know, especially in the last few years. Certainly, uh, you know, I've been at work trying to, you know, you know, people coming up to me having conversations, oh, have you seen Leaving Neverland and this and that? And I've said, look, I've said, seen snippets and bits of here and there, but I've always been steadfast saying, look, you know, it's all rubbish and it's all for the money. And that's, you know, as we found out recently, it's all absolute BS. But, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, people will want to believe what they want to believe, no matter how many, um, how much proof you show them, how many facts you provide them. Some people have just that, um, that biased outlook. And I've always believed um, that if, if you can't change your mind when you're presented with facts, you've never had a mind to change to begin with. And so that's remained the same. But there are obviously some pockets of fans and friends that I've come across who've, you know, after I've presented with the facts, they've gone away and done some research and they've, you know, they've come back and say, look, I'm so sorry. I really didn't know all this background, which unfortunately the media never want to present because it doesn't sell as well but because they always want to present the negative stuff because that's the story that sells. But as time has gone on, certainly after... Liam McEwan's documentary, as well as Danny Wu's Square One, all these other fan-made documentaries. I think, in my opinion, the tide has changed, but certainly it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, though the media won't show it that way, but certainly amongst colleagues, friends, and so forth. And so I think, I think those documentaries have helped a tremendous amount for the fan community and the world in general in terms of Michael's image. And I think it'll recover. You know, it just takes time. Everything takes time. His music is back to where it should be. I hear it almost on a daily basis at work or, you know, at the shops. And, you know, in my theatre when, when I'm operating and things, I certainly put on Michael's music and I always get positive feedback. People are always sort of reminiscing, oh, I remember when Beat It first came on back in 83 from some of our senior anaesthetists. They're like, oh, yeah, I was wearing this, I was wearing the gloves, trying to do the moonwalk <laughs> and this and that. So all positive stories and, you know, very rarely negative stuff. And so that's very heartening and reassuring. And, you know, people always associate the good memories, I think, because I think in some way or another, Michael has impacted everyone one way or another. Whether you want to admit to it or not, you have a Michael memory that's very positive and joyful that's somewhere in there. And not everyone are super fans like us, but certainly everyone has a positive, incredible Michael moment when they, for instance, saw him moonwalk for the first time, toe plant for the first time, you know, the concepts, whatever you have, there's always some positive memories. And certainly now, you know, I'm great headspace in terms of, you know, uh, very proud MJ fan, never wavered really. And just I think time will just continue to improve. And I think I'm very looking forward to the Taj Jackson's documentary. And I think hopefully, you know, uh, I know Charlie is involved with that and so is um Tom Mesero and so I, you know, I can only you know anticipate great things from those uh, guys and it's going to be hopefully uh, shown on big platforms and also not to forget um, I think Marcus Kubota's uh, Netflix documentary I think is coming up next year I hope he was on the show I think uh, recently as well Jeremy correct me if I'm wrong but uh, so I'm looking forward to both those documentaries I think and the world needs to see it on a bigger platform either a mainstream TV or big things like Amazon Prime or Netflix where they, people can really get to know the depths of all the misinformation that's out there. Awesome. 
Bjorn, heading over to you, it's been a big year. You've had a busy year, but this has been part of it. So how have you coped this year? Well, the thing is that that <laughs> a part of my support system, of course, is my husband. And and he's just getting tired of this entire MJ business. He is He's basically echoing what we're saying, which is, can they just leave him alone by now? It's been 10 years since he's passed. And, and my husband is by no means an MJ fan at all. But even he's infuriated by this kind of thing. But my whole experience with leaving Neverland is a bit different because even though I experienced the whole controversy when it came out and that whole thing, uh, I was in Denmark over the summer. And in Denmark, they didn't show the documentary until I think maybe May or something like that. So it was a little bit late, uh, the controversy to, to come to Denmark, so to speak. But that's when the community of Moonwalkers, the Danish MJ fan club I mentioned, they really came into themselves because they were prepared for this stuff. Uh, they had prepared a list of, of you know, uh, proof against this documentary, proof against the people. And they just really knew how to equip the fans on what to say when we spoke to people, which was so inspiring. And they did such a good job with that. And I mean, I'm not a stupid person, I want to say. I was prepared to do this and I was really expecting people to come up to me as a big MJ fan and people knew I was an MJ fan. So I was expecting people to really, you know, not necessarily attack me, but at least want to discuss it with me because it was a pretty big deal in the media. And, and when I talk to people, they would often say, oh, the, accuse, the accusers, they say that it's not about money. And, and I would, of course, jump right into, you know, did you know that they've already, you know, um, sued the MJ estates? Uh, did you know that they've already been kicked out of court? That, that whole thing. And of course, this is stuff that people just don't know. Even from those points alone, people already think, well, I guess it is about money because that's exactly what it is about, as MJ always said. Unfortunately, the reaction in Denmark was very uh, soft compared to maybe the US. I don't know how it was in Australia, but I think people in Denmark, thankfully, are very logical and with the Danish MJ community ready to reply on Facebook to articles and stuff like that. A lot of the Danish population seemed to get quite quickly what it really was about. You're always going to get crazy people just, you know, uh, saying, oh, child molester this, child molester that. You're always going to get that. But really, I think the reply of the Danish people was quite soft and, and quite pro-Michael. And there was never any, you know, hashtag mute Michael Jackson thing going on in the Danish media. No radio station stopped playing him. So that, that was uh, amazing to sort of be a part of that movement and get my warrior robes back on again. Because, you know, as I talked about before, I thought those days were over for us. But apparently, you know, they weren't. Mm, that sounds like a, a really mature approach that the Danish people took in general. It was very different in Australia, mainly because we had this ridiculous phenomenon here of 
lots of TV stations and certain programs piggybacking off Leaving Neverland and creating their own hit pieces, uh, interviewing like disgruntled former Neverland employees. And it's like here that the Leaving Neverland itself was the center of it, but we had a range of other hit pieces come out around it at the same time. It was not fun <laughs> at all. No, I can imagine. Uh, thankfully, the, the media in Denmark, um, when whenever they announced that they were doing a piece on Living Neverland, uh, especially the TV media and radio media, Moonwalkers and the Danish fans would be like, that sounds great. We have a person that would really like to be a part of that and talk about that on behalf of the fans, on, on behalf of maybe even, you know, Michael Jackson, the family, bringing in their points as well. So so that that was really amazing. And even though it was hard for for me as a fan and me as a person when this thing dropped, you know, I'm running a restaurant, I'm trying to make a family, you know, there's, there's a lot of things going on. In In the long run, uh, this has been a really positive thing for, for me personally, because after Michael passed away, listening to to Michael's music and, and that whole thing actually became a painful thing for me. It was almost like I was in not an actual depression, but almost an MJ depression, where uh, whenever I heard his music, I would just be sad that he was gone and that he wasn't here anymore. And even though it sort of faded away, it never really did. After this whole Leaving Neverland debacle, I feel like my passion has been refired. It's not like I, I never stopped being a fan because that wasn't the thing. I felt sore listening to Michael Jackson and I don't think I do that anymore because of this fire that was lit under my ass by, by this <laughs> documentary. Mm. So so in some way it, it actually uh, rekindled my love for, for Michael. That is quite the journey. Thank you so much Bjorn. I'm, I'm so glad you're fighting fit. We have to be ready for whatever's coming next. <laughs> we know, by this point, we know that this isn't over and we just have to be ready to tackle it head on. Absolutely. Damon, do you want to ask the uh, inspired and impact question for the next round? Yeah, yeah. I guess what I'd like to know next, uh, Marnie in particular, how would you say throughout your life Michael Jackson has inspired you or impacted you in a positive sense? That's a big one, I guess. So I guess the first thing, aside from, you know, just enjoying his music and um, it was becoming interested in music. So he really inspired early on, you know, this, I mean, my my mum my was really into music, but this really, my Michael Jackson fandom caused me to, look to other artists that he was inspired by. So I guess, and I know that a lot of fans are like that as well, but it really, really, my fandom of him instilled a love of music that, you know, is just incredible. And at 12 years old, I went to my mother and said, I want to be a singer when I grow up. So that was another thing. I really, really wanted to be a singer because of him. Unfortunately, I'm not the greatest singer. So um, I did do singing lessons for a little while, but didn't end up pursuing that. I did music and my, my chosen instrument was my voice at high school. 
and I was in the school choir and things like that uh, before singing was made popular by American Idol and Australian Idol and things like that. So I was teased very heavily. So that didn't stop me. Um, we can yeah. we could all do a lip syncing show, Marnie. How's that? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Dana, so while but... I. Love- yeah. Actually, yeah, Dane's got some competition for yeah. it. So it's yeah. yeah. Been, been there, yeah. done that. Yeah, I mean, I'll, do the, I'll do the occasional karaoke sometimes, but no, um, it's usually, uh, I think the purpose of karaoke is to sing like an idiot, really. So <laughs> that's what I do. But yeah, I was really passionate about that and did singing lessons probably until I was 17. So yeah, something that I was really passionate about. So that was something that Michael Jackson definitely impacted my life and inspired me was, you know, my general love of music. I mean, meeting other people. I mean, how cool is that? The invention of the internet and Michael Jackson forums has you know, I've been able to meet some of the best friends of my life and people that I've known, you know, longer than my husband, like Jamin, like Damien, like Q, I'm sure that we've known each other longer as well. And Oh, yeah, um, it's been yeah. good, well over like, what, probably 20 years or no, maybe close, 12. like 15 years or something at yeah. least. Yeah, so it's, I mean, you know, now we've got all these friends for life and I guess we're going through this Michael Jackson journey and life journey together. You know, we've, you know, I've got incredible friends that it's just amazing. So um, met the most beautiful, wonderful people. So, yeah, that's uh, that's probably the areas that I would say that, you know, Michael Jackson has impacted and inspired me. Great. Just so I know, I, I'm trying to get my bearings. Was the, was the first time you two guys ever actually met at the club, the failed Club MJ meetup? Yes, that, that was the first time you guys saw in Sydney. Other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, okay. with Damien and TJ, and there were some fans from New Zealand, and we went to that Red Eye Records. Cool. Oh yeah. Oh my god, that was so long ago. <laughs> it <laughs> was actually. That's probably probably more than 15 years ago, maybe. Is it really that long? I thought I that was know. like 2006, 2007, maybe. Some of these years feel a lot longer than others. I know. Because <laughs> Ren- Renee went to, she started Club MJ from, when was Michael Jackson in Japan? Oh, yeah. Seven, 2007, I think. Yeah. Maybe. So just, I know this is, I, I need to say it, but it's going to be really quick. So what she did was she started the club and she asked everybody to, before she actually opened the forum, she asked everybody to submit their fan letters to Michael Jackson and she would print them all off and take them and give them to Michael Jackson personally. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is how she started the club with this big promise. And then I heard from someone, and it was probably TJ, that she actually took all these plans over that were supposed to be her version of Neverland 2 or something that she was going to get him to invest in. Anyway, oh that's just God. a side note. So, yeah, TJ had some great gossip about her. <laughs> I think he mentioned that when we had him on the show, actually, he was spilling some tea about that. Yeah. Oh, oh dear. But out of that, good things came. Absolutely, yeah. Some amazing things, you know, amazing friendships. And, yeah, that's amazing. It's definitely one of the things I am most grateful for is the yeah. the friendships that Michael has brought into my life. So grateful. For sure. Yeah. 
Oh gosh, you're making me miss TJ over here. Oh. I know, right? <laughs> um, Dane, would you be able to walk us through how Michael has positively impacted your life and inspired you as well? Well, I'd say I think of him always kind of as a comfort blanket that I've had all my life, you know, you know, starting as a kid and going all the way up into adulthood is just someone who's always been there whenever I need to, um, I know, just be in a good mood, just put his music on, his voice just kind of takes you away. He's just, his music is kind of all about escapism and, and enjoyment. I've often, I remember when he died, Obviously, that hit everyone really hard, but I think that really put into perspective what he meant to all of us. For me, I think it was just being a good person because obviously he was a a shining example of kindness, you know, how to be kind to other people in the world. A lot of that affected me and how I treat people in the world. I've never come across someone who is a big MJ fan who's also an asshole. It just doesn't happen. So I think <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> if you think about observing him and the way he treats people and the way he speaks and all that sort of thing, you can't help but sort of take on a bit of that persona and and sort of not let him down in that regard. As well as just being a, a bit of a role model, I guess, of how to live your life, how to treat people. He's just just someone of always looked up to you know musically as well just what you can you know you think you can get to a certain point uh, musically and then you can make yourself even better like that was his mantra learn from the greats and become greater you know just to not accept boundaries and just you know make things new take risks like he took enormous risks like you know doing things like the thriller music video like nothing of that caliber have existed at that time. So he was, he was, yeah, just an example of awesomeness personified. That was Michael. Dane, thanks so much. Wonderful, wonderful answer. Bjorn, we'd love to hear from you as well. How has Michael Jackson inspired you or positively impacted you? Oh gosh. In so many different ways, I'll say positively impacted me. Uh, I, I really think of my Michael Jackson experience as a lot of, of, of different uh, experiences around the world, really. A few years ago, I was lucky that Brad Sundberg came to Copenhagen to to do his in the studio with MJ thing. That was probably the most interesting to, thing to happen MJ-wise since the history tour. So I went to that <laughs> and that was just amazing. Brad Sundberg is, is um, such a cool guy and his passion for, for MJ and his music and his process. Uh, just shines so brightly. That was just an incredible thing to be a part of. I always went, al- also went to France, to uh, to Paris, to see Janet Jackson in concert. This was after Michael had passed away, and I just thought, well, I won't ever be able to see him, so I might as well be able to see his sister Janet. And of course, she did a tribute to him in the show, which was incredible. And uh, <laughs> at one point at the concert, she, you know, rinses her face with a rack and she throws it to the audience. And me being the tallest person there catches it. Uh, so, <laughs> so that was one of my very cool memorabilia from the Jackson family. 
which how, I later. How did that not get ripped to shreds by people around you? Believe me, people tried, and I was literally. No, I have to tell you the story. So she, um, she gets this rag to you know wash her face with, and she's like really teasing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna throw it. I'm gonna throw it. I'm not gonna throw it. I'm gonna throw it. That that kind of thing, and she finally throws it, and like fifty people just jumps in the air, me included, and I happen to catch it. At the same time as one other girl catches it, like it's a pretty big rack. So we end up on the floor wrestling for this goddamn rack. (laughs) And and it's funny because I am literally filming this. I'm filming this concert. And I I have I have this on video that I'm filming Janet. She throws the the rack and pitch black darkness. And you can hear me yelling in Danish, it's mine! (laughs) And then at at some point, I just, you know, I I get it and I just tuck it under my shirt and, and yeah. So, so that's how I got that. (laughs) Imagine being one of those lucky people that got the fedora at the end of Billie Jean. Oh my God. (laughs) That's sort of how I felt, just the Janet version a little bit. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. So that was an amazing trip, and I don't believe I I can't believe I didn't mention this earlier, but I also met Latoya. What say now? What? Okay, everyone, be quiet, be quiet, everyone. We have a story. What's this story? <laughs> well, this the story is that that um, Latoya has a a Danish celebrity friend who is a uh, he, he's like a big deal hairdresser kind of guy, you know. Prime gay, you know, you know the type Q. Yeah, uh, yeah. Lacks the headlines and attention. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, that that kind of person. And apparently they were they were friendly, so she came to visit him in Copenhagen. And of course, this is a big deal. It was after Michael passed, I believe, and uh, the Danish media wants to get a hold of her, like all of them, but only one TV show gets to do an interview with her. And, and of course, the Danish MJ fans, you know, catch this. And I write to this TV show. I, I actually think I sent them a video showing all of my, you know, memorabilia, vinyls, all that kind of stuff and saying, I need to meet her. Tell me when she's coming. I want to meet her. They, they actually wrote me back like, yeah, sure, you can meet her. Um, she'll be here this and this time and we'll do an interview with you afterwards if you're game. And I was like, yes, yes, that's, that, that sounds good. Yes, I'll be there. So <laughs> I am in the countryside at this moment. And it's a three-hour ride to Copenhagen. And she's going to be there in two and a half. So I tell my husband, you're not going to work tonight. We're leaving right now. <laughs> and we get in the car. And he drives, I mean, like Satan. So, so that was a <laughs> A good thing on this day, and and we got there at ta- at the right time. And of course, being the diva she is, she is one and a half hour late. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so I made it in time, no problem. And we got some flowers. I had my Latoya T-shirt, and I had my Thriller vinyl, which she sings back up on background vocals on PYT. She finally arrived for the interview. 
I was there, you know, by the front door to the studio and got to hug her, got to meet her, got to talk to her for a few seconds. Uh, and and she said it was just so lovely to have somebody there. She got the flowers. She signed the vinyl to me specifically. That was, oh, my God, she, it was just amazing. I can just, I can still remember that she smelled incredible, like insane, like like a flower bouquet times a thousand. Wow. It, was, it was fantastic. To to go back to your question, I I, I really uh, think of experiences when I think of Michael and what he's meant to me, but also just really you know what impact he's had on my personality, the philosophy of things like Man in the Mirror, Earth Song, Heal the World, that kind of thing. Which as a kid, I thought that was kind of a drag. I didn't really like Heal the World and Earth Song. I was like, I thought it was kind of preachy, which I guess they are. But looking at me as a 31-year-old man now, I've been a vegetarian for many, many years. I just went vegan like a few months ago. And I think I can pretty much attribute that to Michael Jackson and how he taught me to care about the world that we live in, to care about Mother Earth, to care about the people around me and, and do what I can to make the world a better place. And as far as climate change, the best thing you can do as a person is change the way you eat. So I did that. And I think I can attest that to Michael in some way. And also, I am planning a trip to Australia in 2021. So that's something that I can test to Michael because I really want to meet all of you guys. Oh, yay. I sprang, get, the Gold um, Coast, uh, get the Gold Coast ready, Marnie. Get the Gold Coast ready. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm ready. Oh, yeah, I sprang for sure. That, that thing. I sprang that thing on my husband like a few days ago. And he was like, we're what? <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> so we did that. <laughs> Uh, well, you're question. welcome to stay here. If you if you need a place on the Gold Coast, we've got a spare room. There oh, you go. I've, I that's mine. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. I would love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Michael bringing people together in 2021. Yes, staying in the legendary Marnie's guest bedroom. I'm yes, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> That is cool. That Latoya story is amazing as well. I hadn't heard that before. That is so cool. I can't believe I actually hadn't told you that story before. Yeah, and I can't I, believe I know it. That, yeah, I know that you're you're quite into Latoya as well. She's so fabulous. Yes. TJ would have loved that story because yeah, he would have oh done he would have done exactly the same thing as you. I can guarantee. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure he always called her the queen of trash pops. So I mean, yes. I've, I've called her that ever since. <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you so much, Bjorn, for sharing that. Anybody else like to to jump in and and comment on anyone's stories? Um, I'd just like to say that I actually happened to come across TJ myself way back uh, when the Michael album was released. He was one of the first people to do like these, you know, extensive YouTube videos exposing the songs. And I just messaged him at the time and I, uh, I don't know, I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was, of course it was full support and thanking him for putting that message out. And um, yeah, he responded back to saying, thank you. So it's, it's funny hearing you guys talking about TJ as an old friend. And I'm like, I, like, I did not obviously don't know any of you guys at the time, but I happened to cross, come across TJ myself back in the day. It's funny how, like we always say, 
you know, it's a small world after all. And we're all talking to each other from different parts of the globe. And we've mm. all had connections through Michael with people that we all know in common, like TJ and, and forums and Marnie doing forum stuff and things like that. It's, it's amazing. Mm. It's just amazing. Harmony. Harmony. That's beautifully put. Yes. I actually don't think it's Michael bringing us together. It's basically TJ bringing us together. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually kind of true. There's a, a, there's a, a girl I know, um, another person in Brisbane, Rebecca, who after TJ passed away, she sent me these videos of her and him like singing together online, <laughs> like these like sort of FaceTime hangout type things of them <laughs> chatting and singing together online. I'm like, wow, you knew TJ as well? It's like everybody knew this guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Shout out to Rebecca. Okay, now I'm going to hand over to my mate, Dr. Raj, and we are going to hear the terrific story of how MJ inspired you in your life and how that impacted and changed your life to where you are now. One of the most cool things I heard, I remember we were getting lunch at the Brad Sundberg in the studio with MJ seminar at the kebab place up the road from the venue that he'd hired the studio. And you told me what you do for a living and how that came about. And I was so amazed. So you mentioned before you grew up like the only ethnic kid in school, you know, and you were the, the little MJ kid as well. So what ethnicity is your family and are you? And you mentioned earlier how that is sort of influenced the path in life that people wanted you to go in. And then you did end up going into that. Yeah, so uh, I'm from Bangladesh. So that's next, this little small country next to India. I've never grown up there, but my parents are from there and I've grown over, uh, overseas in Australia. But the subcontinent is amazing. And Samar Habib is very, he'll identify with this strongly because he always talks about it. The subcontinent loves Michael. They never believe in any of that BS. They never believe it. You know, they've always you know, been very strong for Michael's music. Um, and they and so, do the most amazing tribute. So you yeah. have shared some, and also Sam has shared on online, but I remember songs and tributes of mega stars yeah. of the area have done the most amazing tributes. Yeah, that's exactly right. As ethnic parents, you know, the way to, I guess, giving a bit of background, you know, with the population crisis in the subcontinent, though I'm not directly born there, but the mentality is, it would have been from there is that the only way to rise from the ashes is to educate yourself in one way or another. So to try and, you know, get some kind of a degree, high degree and, you know, make something of yourself. And so that certainly, you know, played into my parents who studied overseas through scholarships and then they tried to instill into me, you know, you have to try and make something of yourself in one way or another, do something noble where you can help people and things. And I was, you know, as a young kid growing up, you're like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know, I'll do what I want to do. But you know, as your interest and your inspiration sort of drives you to become who you are, and we're all products of that. And so, you know, Michael was certainly mine. That's when, you know, around year 11 and 12, the tides start to change. This was probably 2001, 2002, around the 30th anniversary concert. That was all fresh. And so that was all very inspirational. And so that's when I decided to look, you know, give medicine a shot because I could help through that avenue. And, you know, 
gone on to finish my med school and gone through junior doctor training and so forth. And now I'm halfway through my plastic surgery residency or training. And so last year I was very privileged enough to go to overseas mission with one of my bosses to help in um, for burns victims uh, in Tanzania for a week where you just do burns reconstruction on these, you know, innocent, innocent people who get, you know, through no fault of their own because they're not really, you know, educated in burns, injuries and things. But, you know, it's just the way it is. But you get to help them in your capacity, you know, through your training. So, and that's certainly that's what I want to, you know, do in the future. As I mentioned before, and I've always had this vision where if Michael was still alive, I'd reach out to him and say, look, you know, I'd like to, through your name or through your work, you know, be able to help the underprivileged. And so, you know, his influence continues to inspire us, to influence us, to guide us. And um, that's certainly the case in my life. And I'm sure this is the same for most of you guys. So, you know, that's why we're here. Why we're still, you know, 10 years on after his past and we're still uh, talking about the admiration um, that we have for this this incredible uh, human being. And, you know, I was just telling Q um, uh, last couple of weeks ago when we caught up, you know, I listened to Vincent Patterson's episode, which is one of my favorite episodes, and he's so passionate. And so he has this true, genuine love for Michael. And I think, you know, I was telling you, Q, as well, that uh, when Vincent was saying that Michael represented something very close to like, not a, not a God, but I'm saying like very close to someone like a Jesus like figure where he brought the masses together, but he was also hated, but also loved through the masses. And I think, you know, there is very similar connections, not to offend anyone religious in any way here, but you know, I think some people make very strong connections in that regard to, to Michael and how he inspires us and through his example, led his life. And his music is the product of all those things that we can still attach ourselves to now and be guided by amazing and i just love the fact that you play michael's music in theater while you're doing like reconstruction surgery and things like that that's so people cool. love it people love the music you know people forget all the nonsense as soon as you put on the music everything else washes away everything else and everyone's got a story michael's story when they were kids or they went to their first concert or you know i remember the first time i saw this and that they associate such strong positive emotions so you know all that negative hype it's all rubbish and it's going to wash away in time anyway i think you're onto something there raj and i think it is up to people like us that have experienced what michael can do for you know friendships and life and inspiration and not only just the music stuff but him as a person as well i think it is up to us to help push that and show people that absolutely this this can be the legacy of of someone that is a good person and great well okay where are we up to so i think we've covered everybody's discussions around michael inspiring them it could be time for a song break could be absolutely
Jackson and it's Tito time and thanks for listening to the MJ cast. Let's do some finds of the week. This is a bit of footage that you came across that you hadn't seen before. Do you want to share the link and the information for what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So one of my favorite Michael Jackson performances of all time is uh, the 1995 MTV VMAs. I think it's got a special place in a lot of fans hearts. Yeah, a bit of lip syncing in there, so it's probably not his best live vocal performance, but it's certainly one of the performances I love to watch the most because he is absolutely on point when it comes to those dance moves in this performance. And um, we all know the the sequence of it. There's a medley at the start, finishing up with Billie Jean and Slash, and, and then, of course, there's a great full Dangerous performance, and then You Are Not Alone. Well... Across the years, there's been a few different versions of the rehearsals leak for this performance. There's one that looks like it's just before the show. It's like a dress rehearsal with him on stage, which is really cool. And then there's a few early renditions that have leaked, but I had never seen the one that I'm putting as my find of the week this week. It is my favorite rehearsal for the show. It is amazing. So basically, it's Michael doing uh, the medley but it has live vocals all the way through it. Now they're not he's not singing out all the way through it. He's just like he's holding back his voice, but it is 100% absolutely pitch perfect vocals for the medley of the 95 MTV performance. And one interesting thing about it, one fact if you haven't seen it is that he's he must have made a pretty late decision to swap out rock with you with the way you make me feel because in this early version of the rehearsals he's actually singing rock with you live which is amazing i don't know why he chose not to sing live in this uh, in the 95 mtv performance because in the rehearsals he sounds like ridiculously perfect uh, i'd be interested to know that i might get to ask brian vivitz or, or somebody one day why that was but really really good vocals uh, if you get a chance to watch this, uh, please go ahead and see it. It's great. I don't understand how I'd never seen it before, but great rehearsal footage. That's my find of the week. Nice one. Well, mine was a video, which I can't even actually remember the video channel now. Maybe, Jamin, you can open that up and tell me the video channel in a second. But it was an incredible video that got shared around, I would say, last month. Um, early on about the best-selling music artists from between 1969 and 2019. And it is this 
graph that changes. It's like an infographic that changes as it scrolls through the months of each of these years of who is in the top charts. And as soon as the 80s hit, Michael just rockets up to the top and he just sits there basically for the whole 80s, most of the 80s, and then up until the mid-90s. It's just Michael at the top. And you see also like the change in how people sort of consume music because once music started getting consumed digitally, then the way the numbers were calculated affect who is on the top. And then you can really see the difference in that. But it is the most fascinating thing. And and it really showed the impact that he had. And I just think it's amazing that we get to see a visualisation of that in this thing, just all from, you know, figures that you can read, figures of charts and who sold the most, but seeing it in this moving infographic way was so cool. So head over, see the link in the show notes uh, and share it, share it around because it's so cool to see. Did you happen to check who the channel was? Yes. The channel is called Data is Beautiful. That's it. Data is beautiful and it certainly is really cool to see. Thank you for that, David. I really appreciate it. I saw that at the same time as you, I think, by accident because the person who shared it on Facebook was our friend Damien's mum. That's <laughs> <And> so funny. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I was amazed by it as well. Amazing animation. And uh, it's crazy to see just how quickly in the early 80s that Michael comes in and dominates the charts what really surprised me is how long he dominated the charts for as the number one selling artist. It didn't drop off in the early 90s like you think it would after Dangerous. It actually lasted quite a bit longer into the very late 90s. So it was impressive. Yeah, I reckon like history, um, you know, that sold a lot. And and then even I think it's around Blood on the Dance Floor where it starts to where he starts to drop down. And then the, that's when music was starting to get consumed differently like LimeWire and pirating and stuff like that. Yeah, and there was just a whole new movement of modern hip-hop and R&B that just came through that, yeah, kind of took over, I guess, in terms of top position, but very, very cool graphic. All right. Who have we got next for Finds of the Week? How about Dane? Okay, um, well, I've been enjoying a lot of Michael Chapson this week going back to all these videos, but via him on Instagram, uh, there was something that he shared and there's a, uh, a graphic artist on Instagram called at Christopher VG three. And he's um, done sort of pop art installed MJ images. And I shared one on my Twitter this week. That's just so, oh, this is basically, I'm talking about one single image here, but it's awesome of him, of Michael, during the 1983-84 period. Uh, it's got him, a shot of him on one of his victory tours, like in the Billie Jean outfit, just in awesome MJ swag mode. And all around him, there's got uh, the titles from of the songs from the Thriller album in sort of pop-art comic book style graphics all around him. And it's just sick. Like, I had to share it. And a lot of people have responded as well, saying how awesome it is. So that's my find of the week. What's this person's account name? On Instagram, at ChristopherVG3. And uh, I went back to look through all his other stuff. One other thing, one other really cool thing that he's done, you know, the the bad album, The Pose. What he's done is he's Photoshopped the other Michael errors as the bad pose. 
Oh, if that makes sense. Yeah, so like in each one, he's got like the history face, the dangerous face, even I think he even does off the wall and thriller as well and invincible. Like it's crazy and it looks so good. I'm looking at the uh, one that you put up on Twitter and it is very cool. I love that pop art style. That is really cool. It's so awesome. All righty. Great find of the week. Marnie, what about yourself? So uh, I had to come up with one pretty quickly, but it was actually really easy once I thought about it. I've been in a new job for the last uh, four months and uh, we have a system called Nightlife, which a few people will be familiar with. And I didn't actually know that you could do this, but it's got a crowd DJ function. So you can go into a pub or a, I don't know, some clubs and other venues that have this and you basically walk over to their iPad and request a song and it takes preference over any other playlist that, you know, is already programmed in. So, so of course I just walk over to the iPad and, you know, put in a Michael Jackson song here and there, but yeah, I've seen this everywhere and I know it, like it sounds really silly because it's been out for ages, but you can also download a crowd DJ app to your phone and sync it to the venue that you're in, or it'll search for venues um, that are close by and you can request songs. It does have a delay of, I think, 30 seconds between songs and you can't like load 20 Michael Jackson songs it has to, or from the same artist. It has to be, I think you can do a max of three before it'll, it won't let you maybe three or four, before it won't let you request that artist anymore for another, I don't know, half an hour or something like that. But you could still do three Michael Jackson songs, then a Jackson 5, then a Jackson's and kind of keep going like that. Um, So what I do, and this is a really cool thing, anybody else who works in hospitality or pubs or, you know, something like that, if you're a big Michael Jackson fan or a fan of any other artist, I come in and I have twice a week I have to oil the lanes because I'm in bowling and I just pretty much program myself a big Michael Jackson, Janet, Jackson 5, Jackson's playlist and that'll keep me going for the two hours that I need to do that. So, yeah, that's pretty much my find of, I don't know, the last three months, so find of the quarter. (laughs) That is very practical for you in your line of work. That is so cool. It is. It is. And you can just literally, it give, it puts you in the best mood. So, you know, while I've got nobody else there and the other thing, if there's big screens, because we've got big screens over the bowling lanes and then we've got another big LED screen, you can watch the videos as well. So Nightlife has some videos and some they don't. So it'll just you know, revert to whatever default graphics that you've got programmed in there. But, you know, the don't stop till you get enough videos there, the can you feel it or the, um, gosh, what's that called? The triumph is on there um, as can you feel it? Um, So there's lots of videos. There's Jackson 5 videos on there. Janet Jackson, yesterday when I was doing it, I was able to play If and it had the old dance version, you know, like, so it's just real. It's really awesome. So I can watch the videos while I'm doing this. So you can literally just tune out. Or, I mean, for those fans that, you know, as we were talking about being MJ Warriors, playing his music and things, go into a venue that and download this app and request Michael Jackson songs here and there. Nobody knows that you've done it. They don't know where it's come from. When someone requests a song in my venue, I have no idea who's actually done it. All I see is the list of requests. So, yeah, be sneaky. 
play his music, go to these venues, download the app, and off you go. And there is a hashtag for when uh, you hear MJ playing at a venue yeah. or at a store or if you're out and about. And, uh, Jamin, you were doing that a bit this week. What, what was – you saw Smooth Criminal in the distance at a shopping centre and you raced over there. And what's the hashtag that people should be using on uh, – especially on Twitter when they hear Michael's music in the breeze and they can identify instantly what it is? Hashtag today I heard MJ. Simple, easy. Share it, folks. Share it whenever you hear that. Even if you get a video. So if you're at like a like a bowling alley, like where Marnie is, like something like that, share a video, hashtag it, share it. And yeah, definitely. That is so good. Can't wait for you to send us a link for that app, Marnie, and people will be able yep. to download that from our show notes. No worries. Thank you. That is so awesome. All right. And uh, beyond you tasty snack, what tasty snack have you brought to serve <laughs> us? <laughs> well, first of all, I just want to say to Marnie that I really identify with the bowling story because I find myself oiling lanes all the time, only not in bowling. Um, <laughs> uh, do I want to know? Is that too dirty for this show? Oh, I'm sorry, uh, I have okay. to ask. No, do I ask? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you do not dare ask. No. Okay. <laughs> oh dear. Either way, well, my find of the week is is uh, something uh, quite different. I think I already showed showed this cue. It's uh, Michael Jackson meets Bollywood, and I'm sure you've all seen this. Um, this Indian guy dancing the thriller dance and doing the whole Bollywood thing. But this is this is not it. This is actually a dance video with uh, three girls, three very talented girls. And it came out this November, I'm guessing after Halloween. And it's a mashup of Thriller and Kali Kali Ankin, which is a, you know, 93 Bollywood movie song. And it's just so amazing. These girls are so talented. And this mashup, is, it, it just doesn't fit. It, it, it fits nowhere. But they make it work anyways. And it's just so funny. Just the way they, they act this out and the, their faces and the dancing is just incredible. Uh, everybody needs to watch it. this. It's on YouTube on the channel. That's called Swara Dance. And it's only a minute long. You you need to watch this. It's just great. It's called Thriller X Kali Kali Ankin. It was very funny. I have to say, I like the arrangement, the mixing of the different tr- songs and like lyrics into Thriller. I thought that was done so well. It is. It is done so well, and it's so unique. I mean, how very. did they come up with this? Michael's inspiration. You can bring yes. Michael into anything, I guess. For sure. And we'll definitely put it in the show notes as well. Go and watch it, folks. So, Dr. Raj, what have you brought to us today for your find of the week? Yeah, thanks. Um, look, it's it's something that I found, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. There's a on YouTube, uh, as always, our go-to for Michael-related inspiration and things. Uh, Thank there was God a, for YouTube. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's a comedian from Chicago by the name of Godfrey. He's an African-American comedian. I don't know if some of you guys have seen it, but he's hilarious. He's so funny. And he was he's on this uh, interview sort of uh, panel. Not panel. He's just being interviewed by this guy called DJ Vlad, who apparently is quite a big guy in the US, California. I've never heard of him before. And basically, DJ Vlad goes, oh, you know, 
Have you heard of Leaving Levinland? You know, what do you think of Michael and stuff? And Godfrey lays it down like it is. You can tell that Godfrey, the comedian, he's like us. He's a huge fan. He even says he went to Michael's concert uh, with his brother back in the day. And he's like, I don't believe any of it, you know, and he, he cusses a lot. So if you've got young kids, don't watch it around young kids. Um, uh, but he just lays it like it is. He doesn't believe it. it. It's all about the money. And uh, he goes on to, he's very insightful. Comedians have to be very intelligent and insightful. And he's certainly one that he he knows what's up. So there's a few videos of that, you know, to 10 to 15 minutes. Um, he's not only funny, but, you know, he goes through quite a few things. And he's a is, uh, you know, I've followed him on in Twitter and things since then. And uh, people like that are inspirational and powerful allies to have because, you know, you know, a lot of the, like, you know, like Dave Chappelle on his uh, Netflix uh, documentary said, I don't believe there's MFs, you know. So we need more people like that. And so Godfrey is certainly one of those guys that if you check him out, you'll see very cool things where he talks about, you know, how MJ was persecuted and it's all BS, all for the money. So check it out. We will. We will have the link for that, of course, in the show notes on the website, themjcast.com, for episode 112 or also in your podcast app that you're listening to. There will be active show notes there. That's everyone's finds of the week, isn't it? I think it is, everybody. Did we miss anyone? Awesome. No? No. Cool. Thank you, everyone, for bringing all of those things. That's so cool. Very much so. Now, we do have another segment we usually do with special guests on the MJ cast, but we thought we'd give it a bash today as well and ask you guys the question we always ask all of our special guests, which is how should Michael be remembered? Uh, we might kick things off this time with Dane, if you want to lead the charge, and we'll go through everybody. How do you think Michael should be remembered? Well, as a lot of previous guests have said in the past, I think he should be remembered as the greatest entertainer of all time, bar none. You know, whenever I think of what was the essence of Michael, I just think of him in, you know, when he does Billie Jean performance in the darkness under the spotlight with the hat and the glove and the white socks. You know, that to me is, you know, the soul of Michael. You know, how he, he can be such an inspiration uh, to be better than, you know, what you think he can be as a person. That's all how I'll always remember him. Love it. Short, sweet, to the point. And I agree. Marnie, how should Michael Jackson be remembered? Mine's also pretty short and sweet as well. And that's quite simply as the greatest entertainer, musician, singer, humanitarian, whoever lived. He set the bar really high for fellow pop stars, people like Beyonce and Chris Brown. And, you know, we could mention all these people that he's inspired, Jason Derulo, Usher, but he really has set the bar high for those people. And we've never seen anyone like Michael Jackson in the world since. And I don't think we ever will. He was just absolutely incredible. And even listening to a duet with him, and another singer, he stands up to the best singers in the world. And he usually sounds better, to be honest. So, yeah, he just did incredible things with music. That's what I think he should be remembered for. Absolutely awesome answer. Well done. Uh, Bjorn, how do you think the king of pop, Michael Jackson, should be remembered? 
Well, my answer is not short and sweet. It's actually incredibly long and exhausting to listen to. But here we go. Um, I, th- <laughs> okay. I think he should be. Re- yeah, I know. I think he should be remembered as a good person. And I know that sounds incredibly simple to say. But the thing is that throughout at least half of his life and ever since his passing, his character has been under attack from from all sides, basically. And and um, his legacy will always be, you know, the music, the dancing, uh, all that stuff. But but we are sort of the product of that legacy and it becomes a part of our legacy to carry the torch forward and really remind people of the man behind the controversy, the man that really was Michael Jackson, the kindness, the um, the charity work. Uh, the family father just remind people that Michael Jackson was a person with his flaws, but also just a good person. So uh, that's how I think that Michael should be remembered. That's so nice, Bjorn. Thank you so much. And it's so true. Everyone has said the truth. Dr. Raj, how do you think Michael should be remembered? I've heard this question so many times over the last uh, few years, I should know how to respond to this. Uh, it's hard to put into words what Michael means uh, to me, but he represents a, a beacon of hope to millions around the world, including myself, who through his uh, life, through his talent and relentless desire to help others change the world. He inspired generations of young artists, generations of other non-artists like myself, you guys, uh, to try and be better versions of yourself. And I think that's the ultimate pinnacle that you want to reach. And, you know, Michael will be forever remembered as that, that person, that unique person. I think in time, as I said, in the not you know, distant future, he'll be re- revered upon as a, a very much like an angelic kind of a figure who came saw, conquered, was defiled, so to speak, and then uh, left us very short, you know, in a very short space of time. He's an unreplicable character, once in a lifetime, not a generation, a lifetime human being who uh, helped the world through his music and talent. I think you made some incredible points in that, and it's so true. His tale is almost a tale as old as time, to use some sort of Disney words, uh, (laughs) where he's this, this figure of goodness and light who was persecuted and endured the most horrendous sort of trials and and attacks. Exactly. And all for just doing good things. And I think people will remember him that way in the future. Maybe not now, maybe not in our lifetime, but I think in the future. Exactly. I feel the same way.
Hi, this is Sam from the Michael Jackson Academia Project, and you are listening to the MJ Cast. Two of the three songs we've played this episode are actually cover versions of Michael Jackson uh, music from Dane. Well done, Dane, on these two great songs, I'll Be There and Smooth Criminal Acoustic Covers. Great, great songs to listen to. Well, I started making, I was just mucking around making um, uh, guitar videos on YouTube. The first one I did was a song from the show Wicked called I'm Not That Girl. I thought it'd be nice to do a similar video for I'll Be There where I don't know, I always had this kind of uh, desire to do like duo acoustic guitar performances. So I thought, oh, I'll do it myself. So one video I do like the rhythm strumming the chords and the other side I do, I play the melody. So I decided to do it for I'll Be There. I was particularly inspired by, there's a guy on YouTube called Adam Rafferty who does, yeah, absolutely, he's an insane acoustic guitarist. He He's done lots and lots of Michael Jackson songs and they're all really, really beautiful. Got to meet him in person one time, which was awesome. Uh, but yeah, so I decided to do my own version of I'll Be There and um, got a lot of positive responses. I got so many people saying it made them really emotional. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's good. <laughs> I try to, you know, put as much emotion as I can when I'm playing music. And the Smooth Criminal one was just, um, I think I just did it all completely on the fly. I got home from work one day and I felt like just putting it down. And uh, so far, that's been my most viewed um, video on my YouTube channel, which I'm happy about and um yeah got a lot of positive feedback on that so yeah so i'm actually learning piano at the moment so one day i want to do a lot of uh, michael jackson piano videos as well so got that coming in the future very cool can't wait for them that's awesome as we wrap the show up today i just really want to say thank you so much to all of you for joining us here on the MJ cast. Every once in a while, Q and I get to bring on our fan friends onto the show so we can get to know them a little bit better and introduce them to the wider audience of the Michael Jackson fan community. And and Dane and Marnie and Bjorn and, and Raj, I've just loved being able to, to speak to all of you guys and hear about your journey. So thank you so much for coming on the MJ cast. It thank is you so much for having sure. us classic excellent thank you so much i know that uh some people have set up late some people have got early and some people have already had to head off to work um but i have got some details here for social media for uh our friend dr raj so on instagram raj is raj underscore z five eight and over on Twitter, you can find uh, Raj as at Dr. Raj Zaman, all one word. And he's only just started Twitter this year, so he's still learning the field of Twitter. But uh, shall we head around and get some other people's social media details if they'd like to share? Marnie, how about yourself? Are you on social media much these days? I'm not really, but if you really want to follow an alcohol or beverage related Instagram, you can follow me at Marnie Drinks. I don't post anything Michael Jackson related there. You never know, it might pop up. I do follow a lot of like all my Jackson related accounts on there. But yeah, it's all about my adventures through beverage and uh, yeah, finding wine and beer and making cocktails and things like that. So very un-Michael Jackson related, but if you want to follow me, you can. 
Thank you very much. And how about yourself, Dane? You did mention that you're uh, on Twitter. So what's your Twitter handle and anything else you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure my Twitter handle is at Danish4840, the letter O, not the number. Pretty much most of my Twitter feed is MJ-related because I joined it for this year because of what's been going on. My YouTube channel is Volcano83. Um, I don't post videos there very often, but I do have a bit of a catalogue there of um, those uh, cover videos as well as a few other Michael Jackson-related videos. There's a cool like mega mix that I've uploaded there. I didn't make it, but it was an official release, um, so that's pretty cool. I also have an Instagram, which is not MJ-related, but what I do there is um, uh, it's basically just, um, I call it movie memories. Like when I'm watching a movie, I'm thinking, oh, this is quite nice. I'll take a screenshot and I'll share it with people and we can have a bit of fun talking about it. And that's Dane Thompson 8. And that's Thompson with no P as well, same as Charlie. Same as Charlie Thompson. I love that. That's such a good coincidence, actually. (laughs) All right, Bjorn, we've got, what, 35 minutes left for you to go through all your social media (laughs) and uh, things that you'd like to share. (laughs) Yes, fabulous. Well, for as far as as Michael Jackson is concerned, Twitter would be the best guess. And you'd have to go to my Twitter handle, which is Bjorn YouTube. And for those of you who... uh, you know, crumple on the floor by just, you know, thinking of pronouncing Danish. It's B-J-O-E-R-N YouTube. You can also find me on Instagram at B-J-O-E-R-N Hannibal, Bjorn Hannibal. And for those that want to tune in, what's your Danish Harry Potter podcast and where can people find that? It is called Imagine's Fusbor in the Footsteps of Magic and you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and everywhere else you'll listen to your favorite podcasts. We'll put a link in the show notes as well. That sounds fabulous. Cool. And OnlyFans? No, not today. All right. No worries. (laughs) Thank you. Not today, Q. Okay. No worries. Well, uh, we've also got social media. We've got uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You will find us at the MJCast and our website, our portal for everything is the mjcast.com and we are a podcast and hopefully you are listening to us as a podcast on your mobile device and a podcast app. So we're on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, uh, Android podcast apps and podcast apps are generally free. So you can listen to us on a free app at your call whenever you need. It will get delivered to your device as soon as a new episode has been released across the intertrons. Did I forget anything, Jamin? I feel like I said a lot, but often I'll probably forget something. No, I think I think you got everything. That's how people can find us for sure. And we, we do have another episode coming out, one final episode for the year, episode 113, uh, season five Christmas special. It's going to be out hopefully before Christmas Day. Well, it'll have to be really. Um, (laughs) So I think I've had it out as late as Christmas Eve some years, but um, we'll get it out for Christmas for you guys to enjoy. Uh, It's going to be a nice little retrospective of the year, some news, some talk about what's coming up next season and beyond. I'm going to ask Q a bunch of questions about his five years doing the thing here, and we're going to have a nice little celebration fun app ready for Christmas. And I think you'll be hearing from Elise as well in that episode, which will be great too. Yay, Elise is coming back on the show. 
And we're going to hear from, I reckon, some of the uh, correspondents as well. Yes, definitely, definitely. So that's what's coming up. Look, you guys are all probably very, very busy. Marnie, you're going to have to go prepare a drink somewhere. Dane, you'll want to do a cover MJ song, I'm sure, on your guitar. And I think you're, <laughs> you're planning on uh, oiling up a bowling lane or something. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you guys go. But thank you very much for joining us on episode 112 of the MJ cast. I'm going to sign off now. Have a great fortnight ahead and keep Michaeling. Thanks, everyone. This is Q signing off, and we will see you for our Christmas spectacular next episode. This is Q signing off for the second last time this year. Michael on. This was going to be sort of something else, but last minute we came up with this idea, didn't we? Yes, we had uh, a guest sort of cancel on us and postpone it until next year. So I was like, let's get some MJ friends together and have a hangout. Well, we're happy that you did. How many of these kind of episodes have you done in the past? This year, it hasn't been a lot, actually. It's no, been I know it's past... been a lot of leave, leaving Neverland focus this year and all that, but... Yeah, and we've also we have we've had a lot of good guests that you know didn't postpone and cancel. So there'd probably be a handful in the past that we uh, came up with at the last minute, or literally in sometimes there was like an hour before there was that Michael birthday episode with oh my Sean God. with Sean Fitz. That was probably the most last minute one we did. But this this one we had like this week to prepare for it and invite you all. But, yeah, so we were hoping to do the hat trick of all uh, the three T boys, but TJ postponed till next year. So, yeah, but that's okay. You guys are awesome. But, Marnie, had you you been on before? Yeah, I've been – I've done the show a couple of times. I can't actually remember what they they were in regards to. I know that I did um, when we went to the Scream launch event. Gosh, what year was that? Oh, yeah. 2017, I think that was. Yeah. And then I think I did another episode and I can't remember what that was. That either, was but... the first time, I think it might have been the first time you were on. It was might have been in season one, actually, or something like that. I and we called was. the episode, I think we called the episode sos- something to do with the Sausage Fest because you were the only girl on oh. the show again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we, were like, we were like, we need to get a girl. Another yeah, Sausage yeah. Fest. <laughs> we're like, we need to get a, a girl's voice in this show. We know Marnie. Yeah. Let's get Marnie. Yeah, no, so I'm quick question. You, you mentioned that you mentioned that there's only going to be two more episodes. Does that mean we're not getting a mixtape episode this year? That's like no, my that's, favorite one of the year. That's included. You'll definitely get it. Oh, that's day. good. And this year's going to be really good because I've really liked all the, the music we played. So I can't wait to put this one together. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and by extension of that, Dane, <laughs> you'll probably end up in the mixtape. Oh, yeah. We, uh, mm. 
we always include the songs we play through the season in it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Marnie, your are... first your uh, first episode, Marnie, was episode nine, was indeed called Sausage Fest, and that was with uh, Jerome Horn from the US as well. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that was a fun episode. Yeah, and I have a feeling that you've sent in a segment which was a review of something as well. I know What's you've it? you've spoken about um, an MJ figure that you bought, like a collectible figure. Oh, uh, yeah. So I just can't recall what exactly episode that was. But, yes, yeah. been, you've been here a few times. Speaking of MJ figures, I – was very well if this was a complete accident but lee this year has got me gifts which i asked him not to and i opened up gmail and he was logged in and i could see that he's bought me a funko pop michael jackson Ooh, figure nice. <gasps> and so, uh, he's so expensive the, i know he's got it wrapped under the tree but for my 30th he bought me the michael jackson thriller hot toys figurine and then for my 35th he bought the bad one so they were oh, I don't I don't even want to think about how much he spent on those um, <laughs> or it actually might have been the other way around because he couldn't I think the thriller one was sold out and he managed to get the anyway but yeah for that and this is the oh, I don't even want to think about it because I know the Funko Pops are really expensive I've looked into buying one myself you know in the last year and he's Oh my god! And he doesn't know I know, but <laughs> anyway. So, Marnie, just just out of selfish, you know, personal reasons, how's your marriage going? Because he sounds like a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, he's. I, I'm. I am very, very lucky that I've got you know a great husband who, despite not actually being a Michael Jackson fan, is very, very supportive of my fandom. I've I've been. Um, I, you know, when we were doing the uh, Max Jack, Max Jacks, a lot of the people that, you know, were helping with the site and the founders and everything were really of the opinion that you had to, as a Michael Jackson family, was such a unique breed that you had to marry someone that was also a Michael Jackson fan or they just wouldn't understand. And that was kind of <laughs> like a common thing that was going on in the Michael Jackson community at that time. And I... I don't know if I'd be able to stand that, to be honest. Oh, no. <laughs> I think, I think I'd, if I was married to a Michael Jackson fan, we'd drive each other crazy. So, mm. um, yeah, he's he's not not a fan. He's obviously he loves Michael Jackson. Otherwise, he wouldn't support me and like buy, spend so much on bloody figurines for me. But yeah, so I'm really lucky. He has his gaming. I've got Michael Jackson, so it works really really well. And he's a lovely Good guy. On you. Yeah, people love him more than they love me, so <laughs> that's why I know that's, <laughs> that's no. That's not true, honey. No, we love you. No, he's, not true. <laughs> no, he's well, I great. Don't know so. you, just like a lovely girl. Oh, thanks. <laughs> the MJ Cast.